Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome everybody to episode 147 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, horror. Taylor. What's up? It's Christmas time. It sure is. You know how I know? The tree? Well, there's the tree. And also... Your stupid hat? Why would I be wearing this hat? <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, Christmas is right around the corner. You'll be, uh, I mean, assuming you listen to this on the day it comes out, you'll be listening to us while you're unwrapping some presents with your loved ones, hiding that little bit of booze in your coffee mug just to make it through the day. Glug, 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 <laughs> drinking on Christmas. Um, Yeah. Uh, so how's it going, Taylor? Oh, good. Yeah? Yeah. You got a little bachelor weekend going? Yeah. How's that? It's fine. <laughs> Hookers? No. Blow? No. What's even the point? Just sleeping in. Yeah. Doing nothing mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. being chastised. <laughs> Get off of my dick! <laughs> I've told my wife that a couple times. It, uh, and she like- did? <laughs> <laughs> For months on end. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't, as you might imagine, it doesn't go over well. Uh, women don't like to be told, get off of my dick. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> Especially if they're your significant other. <laughs> Especially around the holidays. Right? <laughs> um. So what's your plan for Christmas? The usual. Just going to my family's. Mm-hmm. Do you do that on Christmas Day? Or? Christmas Eve. Christmas, okay. It's at my cousin's house this time, though. Usually we go to my grandma's, but this year it's at my cousin's, and she wants to have dinner at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. What, the, what is with <laughs> people? <laughs> like, um, you know, so my, my, my grandma died earlier this year. I don't know if I actually talked about that, um, but I think it was August when she passed away. Um, so things have been kind of different. Um I mean, namely Thanksgiving and, you know, Christmas will be different. Um, But anyway, um, my mother-in-law offered to, or actually, let me back up. So we were trying to figure out what we could do so that my mom, who was was her mom who who died, um, wouldn't have to really do a lot on Thanksgiving. Um, because it was always kind of like a thing that her and my grandma did together. They'd always make Thanksgiving dinner together. So wanted to kind of take the burden off of her and, you know, mainly me, my sister, goddamn, <clears throat> take, take the reins for Thanksgiving, um, which was fine, but we just had to decide like whose house we're going to do it at and, you know, how Ron's we gonna... house. Yep. Whose house? <laughs> And so we ended up doing it at, at Run's house. And, um, <laughs> Which was nice, because his house is fucking huge. It's very big. We were in another room. We didn't even realize his family was there. Um, Neither did they. <laughs> uh, They're like, are there white people in our house? <laughs> but so my sister had already done it in a recent year. So I said, okay, well, we can just do it at my house. But, you know, we're going to do it on my terms. Like, we're having dinner at, like, 6 o'clock, like normal fucking people. Um, and, and we're having ham. <laughs> Fuck your turkey. 
I was just like, I'm not waking up at fucking four in the morning to get a cook or a cookie, turkey in the oven <laughs> to get a cookie. Um, and, wait, hold on. While I, while I'm on that note, Uh-oh. you have cookies. Yeah, I do. Or turkey. I wish. He has turkey cookies. I, I, I brought these for you because I made. I made. Got me a ball of foil. <laughs> there you go, guy. <laughs> you entertain yourself. <laughs> I made a bunch of gingerbread cookies and uh, I made. Oh. And they turned out terrible, <laughs> so you eat them. I mean, no, I made a lot of them. Like the dough that I made, or the uh, yeah, the dough uh, made like three dozen cookies. It's like I'm not going to eat all these. <laughs> Um, because apparently my wife shows no interest in them. Anyway, um, yeah, so I offered to do Thanksgiving at my house, but it's like, all right, well, dinner's going to be, it's, yep. They're little Krampus guys. Oh, guys. Um, it's like, I'm not waking up at four in the morning to start a turkey. Sorry. And, you know, my dad's throwing a little bitch fit because he's in a... He's he's a creature of habit, so it's like I want my goddamn dinner at three in the afternoon. <laughs> Go to fucking Denny's then. <laughs> um. Anyway, but we ended up doing. Um, that's where my mother-in-law came, comes in. She offered to host my family over there, so we didn't have to split Thanksgiving like we have in the past. Um, we could all just go over there and not have to worry about. Going from my parents' house all the way out to her out of their out to their house, which is like a forty-five minute drive on Thanksgiving. Anyway, so Christmas, Christmas, yeah. Uh, Christmas morning, me and Cheese always do the same thing. We drink mimosas and we eat cinnamon rolls and open presents. There you go. That's good stuff. Good, good stuff. Drinking on Christmas. Yeah, we're. Um, so I mean, usually the tradition is that on Christmas Eve. We'll spend time with her family because they did their stuff on Christmas Eve anyway. And then Christmas morning, we'll open presents at our house and then we'll go over to my parents' house basically for the rest of the day. Um, and, you know, open more presents there and, you know, have breakfast and just kind of chill out for the day. Um, but so the, because my wife's cousin is a, nur- a nurse or in nursing school and she's like on call, we can't. Go over there on Christmas Eve. So they're going over the mountains to their house on the Sunday or tomorrow, Sunday. Um, but we can't go because of our dog. It's just it's too much to yeah. go on a road trip with him, basically. And plus, there will be other dogs there mm. that he's not really familiar with. And it's just it's too much of a thing. So I think... On Christmas Eve, we'll probably just get together with her immediate family um, and do something there. And then Christmas Day will be the same old thing. So it's exhausting. <laughs> I, th- I think we're uh, we're already committed to an East Coast Christmas next year. Oh, really? Yeah. As long as you don't miss recording. No promises. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, my... P- my parents, not her parents, my parents have been saying it's like, oh, you know, there may come a time when you can't split the can't split the holidays anymore because you know you'll have to commit one to one side or the other, and just you'll have to alternate years. It's like I don't think we're gonna do that. <laughs> it's like I'm not gonna go one place for multiple days on the holidays. Like I want to be home. Yeah, unless it's it's like the song. I want to be home for the holidays. Unless one of your 
you know, sets of parents decides to move to fucking Texas or something. Yeah. As long as they're in the same, you know, general region, there's really no reason not to be able to do both. Yeah. I mean, is is that, are you going to see your dad or are you going to see your family? Uh, probably both. Ooh, that's a, that's a trip. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny the whole Northeast region. It's like the like TV shows and movies. They make you think those things are just right next to each other. It's like, yeah, I'll go from Philadelphia to New York, no big deal. It's like a fucking six hour drive. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, cool. What do you want for Christmas, Taylor? I don't fucking know. People keep asking me, and I don't have answers for them. Yeah, I like. I we we do a, a one person gift exchange like in my family. Um, it's just a name draw, and then we get you know one thing for one person, and but this year we use some like an online thing to kind of keep it more organized. And your, the feature was you could each make a wish list, and then whoever drew your name can see that list. Um, and like I just filled out my list like a, a couple of days ago, and I only got like five things on there. Like I have no fucking clue what to ask for. Yeah, I went and looked at my uh, my Amazon wish list, and the only, the only thing that was on there was Google Play credits. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I should probably fill this out. <laughs> my wife uh, asked for um, physical therapy, like 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 a gift certificate or just straight cash to get physical therapy for our dog. So there's that. I mean, cash always fits, you know. Yeah. It, I just, I came up in a family where it was it was always gifts. Yeah, we never did gift certificates and or gift cards or anything like that, or you know just get cash or anything like that. It was always having a present to open on Christmas. That was just how we did it. And um, as we get older, it's just like I don't I don't need more stuff. Yeah, it's like it, if there's been stuff, I'm I'm not in a position where it's like if I need something, I don't have to wait till Christmas to to ask for it, you know? Yeah. It's like, if I need something in August, I'm not going to wait till Christmas to, for somebody to maybe get it for me. Yeah. I'm going to go fucking buy the thing. So it makes it difficult, especially when you have, you know, as, as you get older and you presumably have more disposable income, it's like, you can just kind of treat yourself. Treat yourself. Treat yourself 2019. <sighs> anyway. Yeah, like, like, give me like, you know, tickets to a Seahawks game or something. Like something I can go do instead that, of things. That's a big like, ask. Well, <laughs> I, I did get it one year. Really? Yeah. Well, good for you. They played the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the fact that like sometimes, like, like maybe if you wanted to like go to LA and see them. Oh, LA, And see the Seahawks play the Rams or something. It's actually borderline cheaper. Probably not the Rams. Huh? Probably not the Rams. Not at this point, but maybe like a couple of years ago. Yeah. Or like um, the Chargers. Sure, yeah. Which, I mean, that almost never happens. But um, yeah, basically, if you wanted to go see like them play a team in California um, or maybe even go to Arizona uh, and see them play there, it's almost cheaper to get plane tickets and a, tick and a mm-hmm. game ticket than to uh, pay for a game at Century Lake. And that's fucking absurd. Yep. It makes me sick, really. <sighs> anyway. Um, Almost makes me pine for the days when the team was terrible. Right? I haven't been to a game since then. <laughs> I, I have not been to a game at Century Lake. Really? Yeah, not once. Last game I went to was at the Kingdom, And they were awful. <laughs> um, but speaking of LA, I did just get back from there again. 
um, took a little weekend trip with the wife. Um, it's like you get down there and you know, like I think we had a pretty laid out plan when we went. We like we knew what we were doing each day. When mm-hmm. you go down there with no plan, um, like like my wife and I did, uh, you know, it's it's a struggle at first. You start, but you find things to do. But it's like if you're only there for a weekend, it's like it's like, but I want to do this too, and now there's not enough time. Yeah, um, you hadn't already reserved yourself to knowing you're not going to do that. Thing. Yeah, exactly. But you know, we went down there on Thursday and we flew back Sunday. I would have preferred to fly back Monday because it was cheaper. But my wife had to get back to work, so meanwhile, I have more PTO than I know what to do with. So, but anyway, anyway, so Christmas, Christmas time. This is our Christmas episode, and as is tradition, we are reviewing two movies that have at least something to do with Christmas. Yep, um, tangential ties. Yes, this uh, this episode we are. Talking about Anna and the Apocalypse, and I trapped the devil. Mm-hmm. The devil. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, um, but before we do that, and before we do anything else, really, we want to thank our grave diggers, our little elves over on Patreon. These lovely people help us uh, fund the show and keep things running. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's not an expensive job. To, to operate this show, but it does cost a little bit of money. And if we don't have to pay that out of pocket, that makes it all the more beneficial for everyone. At least us. Yeah. But we're the most important thing. Um, those special people are uh, Kevin Nosgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, The Horror Addicts, Max Zaleski, and Aaron Meyer. Thank you so much, guys. Your contributions mean a lot, and they do go quite a ways um and uh all that taylor especially around the holidays <laughs> if you just add that it makes people feel bad <laughs> um won't you help a show like <laughs> us today taylor if anybody else wants to help us out where can they go they can go to patreon.com slash grave plot podcast for as little as one dollar you can get exclusive perks like video reviews of films chosen by the Grave Diggers. We're about to do one here after this episode. Yes, sir. Uh, we've also got one for Black Christmas in the queue. We should probably try and get that out soon. I feel like we should have just picked that one. Oh, wait. We did, right, it, we already. did it already. <laughs> I was say, we, <laughs> we did, did it in July. <laughs> I was thinking earlier, it's like we did a page, we did a Patreon for Christmas, or our Christmas movie, but we didn't do it at Christmas. Right. We should try and get that out this week. I'll try. I'll, I'll do what I can. Do or do not, there is no try. Well, it's like if I want to get the December one out before the end of December, I, I have limited time. I still have to watch a <laughs> shitload of short movies. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, speaking of which, Graveplot Film Festival's tickets are on sale currently. That's true. Graveplotfilmfest.com. We've got uh, over... Over 120 movies that we're trying to narrow down to about three and a half hours worth. Yep. So yeah, like Tony said, we got we got a bunch to burn through. Um, our other judges already kicked ass and got through them all. Uh, but they're not doing podcasts. <laughs> yeah, and Patreon videos and and working full time. <laughs> yeah, busy busy guys. Yeah, it was a great time last year. Uh, hopefully, you will join us this year or technically next year, um, February first. 
2020 at Arc Ledge Cinemas in Seattle, Washington. Like I said, greatplotfilmfest.com. Get those tickets. It's going to be a good time. Today. Get them, put them in your stocking. Sure, yeah. Not your, don't put them in your own stocking. That's tacky. Put them, <laughs> put them in your loved it's, one's it's stocking. It's like sending flowers to yourself. It's like, <laughs> ooh, I've got a secret admirer. <laughs> but no, put them in all your loved one's stockings. And be like, Maybe what? not the kids, because there's boobs in some. Yeah. Are there boobs in some? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, all those ones are making it. <laughs> Straight tens. <laughs> all right. Anyway, that's going to do it. Um, why don't we move on with the show? Why don't we? Let's do some horror business. All right, starting out with some real-world horror, we're going to take a trip to Chicago. Hey, Chicago, bang, bang. <laughs> the Windy City. The Windy Apple, I think. Yeah, in the city of family love or something like that. The city of uh, brotherly wind. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. There's a fart joke in there it's somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> uh, but we have a reporting... Hang on before you go okay. into this. I always have people be like, "Oh, so I don't listen to your podcast because I don't, I don't like scary stuff." And I'm like, "Well, do you like fart jokes? Because <laughs> it's mostly fart jokes." Yeah, it's just fart and dick jokes. I mean, yeah, there's not like it, we're we're not a scary podcast. No, we're not like I mean, there are podcasts out there that are horror themed and are like intentionally creepy or scary. We are certainly not one of mm-hmm. those. In fact, most of the shows that are like us are not scary. Like, we're, they're actually more comedy-oriented. True. Because you this gotta... is probably only scary to, like, my grandmother, who's like, I can't believe he says that stuff. <laughs> oh, Taylor. That mouth of yours. Something along those lines. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this is a tale of one of the most well-known... I think it's American folklore tales, right? Or he uh, he showed up in Mexico City at one point. Oh. So he's gone international. El hombre de moth. <laughs> yep. And of course, that is Spanish for the Mothman. Um, famous for the Mothman prophecies, a Richard Gere vehicle in the mid-90s, or late 90s, right? I don't know. It doesn't matter. La Palomilla. Palomino? Palomino. Yep. Yes, beautiful golden fur. We're still talking about Richard Gere? Are we going to talk about how he put gerbils in his ass? That's what I thought the fur thing was. <laughs> Um, no, that's from uh, Saturday Night Live. Beverly, how the hell are you? What? A Palomino? Yes, beautiful golden fur. Yeah, totally. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, anyway, so Mothman, like I said, probably one of the most well-known uh, cryptids in, um, um, like, at least American lore. Um, uh, has apparently been spotted in Chicago 
according to UFO Clearing... Oh, there we go. Starting out on a high note here. UFO Clearinghouse? Do they show up at your house with giant checks? <laughs> and then ask you about times you were abducted or something? It's got to be aliens in there somewhere. Yeah, they well, they probably put things in your butt. Probes. That's what they do. Gerbils. <laughs> Gerbils. Did you ever see Dirty Movie? Mm-mm. It was a National Lampoon movie. Um, very, very... Um, not, it's it's not well known at all. Like it, it's not. It was a very uh, low key, like straight to video thing. It had uh, Chris Maloney in it. But there's this part in where he's he's talking with this guy, and he's like, oh, "You know, we were gonna put Richard Gere in this movie, but we found out he put Gerbils up his ass." And he's like, "You mean Gerbils?" He says, "No, no, no. I'm talking about Gerbils." Like. Joseph Goebbels? Like the Nazi? The, the, the Nazi minister of propaganda? Jo- Joseph Goebbels? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he did this like five-minute-long thing about how Richard Gere, like like right after the war, Joseph Goebbels ex- escaped up uh, Richard Gere's ass. <laughs> the fuck? That's, that's kind of the tone of the entire movie. Anyway, according to UFO Clearinghouse's Marjuel Navarrete, um, the latest sighting of the legendary Mothman. Is it Mothman? Mothman? Mothman. Is he Jewish? John Mothman. Um, he took place there's at... This, there's this wrestler named Hangman, Adam Page. Mm. And JR always calls him Hangman. <laughs> uh, took place at approximately 6.30 p.m. on November 26, 2019. Though the witness did not come forward to his report his sighting until December 4th. Well, you know, you want to make sure. Sure. You got to wait to sober up first. Yeah. Um, the witness, a trucker for, <laughs> a trucker frequenting the airport for deliveries, stated the following in his original comment. He said, I was at the airport picking up a load at Nippon. I was already backed into a dock and was standing away from the truck smoking a cigarette while they loaded my truck. I was looking towards the runways in the direction of the tunnel, and that's when I noticed something that looked like a large bird standing just outside of the fence by the parking lot. It was not hard to miss because two street lamps were nearby. It looked like a person with wings that were stretched out and flapping. I was walking away from the fence toward the open field, and then began. To, then it began to flap its wings and disappeared. You know what it kind of sounds like? Owlman? A bird? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> Like like a crane or something. <laughs> I don't know if they have cranes in Chicago, especially in the winter. They they could. I mean, maybe yeah. Maybe yeah. there's just like one crane, and that's why it's so weird to people. They think it's a fucking Mothman, but no, it's just a crane. Just, just a Chicago, a crane. lost crane. He said it looks like a bird, but you know, Mothman does not look like a bird. It looks like a big moth. Hence the name. It's not just a cute name that they came <laughs> up with. Um, yeah. Uh, the description of the creature matches several other sightings over the month of October from various Chicago neighborhoods reaching out all the way to the suburbs of Park Ridge and beyond. As does the overwhelming sense of evil. Oh, God. Uh, that both the other witnesses and this new one in a later statement all claim to have felt. Oh, well. 
That was like a thing in the Richard Gere movie, right? Like you just had this like overwhelming sense of dread. I don't remember. He was. I think I saw that movie like once. And then uh, the bad things would happen. I remember after it was either after he left town or something. Then all of a sudden, all this there would be an earthquake or some shit. Was that the prophecy? Something like that. The, the, the titular prophecies. Was it? Is that what it's called? The Mothman prophecy? Yeah. No yeah. prophecies. Yeah. Plural. Plural. That is the prophecy. What's the poster yeah, I saw it once. I feel yeah, like I saw it in a hotel for some reason. Mm, mm. It could be wrong. In Chicago? Probably in Chicago, yeah. yeah. I've never been to Chicago, but... Could have been Chicago. Maybe if you were abducted by UFO Clearinghouse. The Mothman probably wiped my memory. Mm, he does do that, probably. <laughs> <laughs> or Men in Black or something. Yeah. Uh, that's That's much more likely. Uh, when asked if they'd seen something similar before, the witness stated that the, that he had, had that he had before when he was a teen, teenager back home in Mexico. Uh, the See, wit- I told you he was in Mexico, so more than once. Yeah. Or is this what you're talking about? I, I don't know. It could be the same thing. It's probably the same thing. It's probably Mothman following this guy around. Yeah. Uh, the witness stated that he saw a solid black winged creature that was circling an open field that he and other children were playing soccer in. Again, bird. Yeah, yeah probably, probably bird. bird, bird, bird. Um, let's see. Oh, where did I leave off? Uh, he stated that it circled the field and made a loud screeching noise before flying off into the surrounding forest. This definitely sounds like a bird. You know, you know what makes like loud screeching noises? Bird, like, like herons. Sure. Yeah. Or like uh, crows, or um, eagles. Yeah. Hawks. Yeah. A lot of birds. Mostly birds. Yeah. <laughs> um but herons are like that they're they're that size. So it could be a heron. Aren't herons like similar to cranes? Yeah. <laughs> what is with you and crane birds? They're big birds. I don't know. And they walk around and Maybe they... it was a flamingo, I don't know. <laughs> See, I thought a flamingo in Chicago was too I was too far a tail. <laughs> that, was, that was too much. <laughs> Nobody, nobody, it, did, it did cross my mind. Nobody would believe a flamingo in, in Chicago. Pull your head out of your ass. That's what I say. I say, pull your finger out of your ass. <laughs> um, when I asked him if I if he remembered the the date, let's see. When I asked him if he remembered the date of the sighting, he stated that he did not remember the exact date. But a week later, there was a large earthquake in Mexico City. See earthquake. Well, there you go. Must be true. And then I remember in the movie there was it was in Point Pleasant and there was like a bridge collapse or something. I remember something about a bridge, yeah. Yeah. Point Maryland? Maybe. What's Point Pleasant? It's a town. Just it's just a, a place that exists. Maybe. I don't know where. You fucking guy. Why do you gotta ask so many questions? <laughs> I'm an inquisitive person. West Virginia. Oh, okay. The Silver Bridge. Yep. It was all Mothman. Mothman. Uh, For the record, the magnitude 8.0 earthquake, Christ, that's a big earthquake, that hit Mexico City was on September 19th, 1985. There we go. Taylor, what do you think of the Mothman? I think he's a heron or a crane. (laughs) Definitely a bird of some type. (laughs) 
It's uh, it's it's likely not a man-sized bug. I don't think that's a real thing. No, people just want to believe uh, silly things. I, I don't understand why. I don't understand what it is about people that like they have this need to believe in things that likely don't exist. Do they get a rise out of it or or what? I don't know. Like fucking Nesgoda and his Sasquatch thing. Like, why does he need to believe that Sasquatch is real? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Gives him something to do. I guess. Gives him a gimmick. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so that's enough. Um, you know, Mothman, maybe. Who knows? We'll see if some natural disaster hits Chicago in the next couple weeks. I mean, it's Chicago, so. <laughs> but would it be natural? It would just more than likely be like a shooting. Yeah. Chicago burn. So the one and only Glenn Danzig is set to make his second horror film. This one is a vampire western called Death Rider. Oh, man. Uh, Danzig, during a screening of his first movie, Veronica, he talks about this and he says it's a vampire spaghetti western. The soundtrack has been done for two years. And of course, it sounds almost like an Ennio Morricone soundtrack. I think I'm actually going to do a small part in it, too. Oh, good. Naturally. Everybody in the movie is a vampire, so you won't have to wait around to see the vampire. They're all fucking vampires. (laughs) Okay, Glenn. I'll bite. Uh, I get it, because vampires. (laughs) Ha ha. Yep. That's what I meant. (laughs) That was intended. (laughs) If, if everybody is vampires, doesn't it kind of really take away the stigma of being a vampire? One would think, because it's just like, vampires are kind of like the, uh, you know, like the wild card bitches. Right. Yeehaw. Like there's an ancient proverb that says, once everyone's super, then no one will be. Mm. Yeah, I, I know that one. Yeah. <laughs> the one guy said that. Right. Um... Yeah. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, yeah. Veronica is so bad, it's good. I don't believe that for a second. Says who? <laughs> yeah. You know, when something has developed a cult following, if you are not already part of that cult, you probably won't be. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Most of the time, that's probably true. Yeah, I mean, I there's been a rare occasion when I've fallen into a cult following uh, that I wasn't like already part of, like, like Twin Peaks. I could say I jumped on that bandwagon at the time. It was a cult following. Um, because it still kind of is. It's not super mainstream still. Yeah. Um. But I mean, but yeah. did you get into it like right away when you first watched it? Or did you like not like it at first, and then it just kind of grew on you? Um, 
No, I liked it at first. I mean, I see that's the thing. I think with all these cult followings, it's like these people liked it at first. It wasn't like they watched it and they were like, "This is terrible." Then they watched it again for whatever reason. They were like, "Uh, "You know what? This is actually so bad. It's good." Right? Yeah. They they liked it the first time. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, like Twin Peaks. I I started watching it, um, and I wasn't super well versed in David Lynch, so that was like a whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's like I'd seen like, uh, um, fucking Eraserhead, Blue yes. Velvet, yes, Blue Eraserhead. I had seen that, and I don't like Eraserhead. I'll freely say that. But you know, I watched Twin Peaks, and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> Twin Peaks like starts off so normal. It it really does, and it, it just seems like a typical like kind of like cop drama yeah. type thing. And then it starts going sideways, and you're just like, what? 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 <laughs> and so I kind of stopped watching it. Not because I didn't like it, just I wasn't, it wasn't really grabbing me. Um, and then I went back to it eventually, and now, now I'm a fan. Yeah. So there's that. Remember when David Lynch stole Christmas? <laughs> I got you a present. It's a thumb. <laughs> <laughs> See you in the future or the past. <laughs> Family guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so this is starring Julian Sands of Warlock fame. Or arachnophobia. Sure. Uh, he is starring as a character known as the Count in a movie filled with vampires. So he's like the important one. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, and get this. Also starring Devin Sawa. <laughs> Why not? Where's he been? Uh, doing terrible movies, I tell you. Well, that seems like it's continuing. <laughs> Apparently, so this is on trend, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that movie that he did. Uh, the oh, fuck what was it called? Uh, it was fucking John Travolta. So there's that. Um, it was kind of like uh, the the fan, except shitty. Oh, I think it's called the fanatic. Okay. Yeah. Philly Fanatic, Philly Fanatic. <laughs> um yeah, it's got like Devin Sawa is this like movie star, like a really popular famous movie star, so you know he's That's not bad. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's So playing, you know it was the he's mid-90s. Playing pretend. Yeah. <laughs> um and yeah, John Travolta is just like this weird guy who's obsessed with him and then I think kills him or something. Spoiler alert. God damn. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to actually <laughs> see that movie. The people that did said it was terrible. I think Fred Durst was involved. He probably has a cold fall. <laughs> Is I that think, the one that Fred Durst directed? I think so, yeah. Um, yeah. Have you seen the commercial? I don't remember what it's for, but the radio just keeps playing Nookie over and over again. It's this woman in, a, in her car, and the radio just keeps playing Nookie. And like her daughter's in the backseat, just like, you did it off on a Nookie. And then like Fred Durst walks across the street in the crosswalk in front of her, and he's just like, what? <laughs> what is this for? I think it's for a car. It's terrible. I was like, oh, that's what Fred Durst is up to. Sounds like the bad place where they play <laughs> uh, She Hates Me over and over. <laughs> Wait, was it, it's, She Hates Me and what else? There's another... If it wasn't tub thumping, then it wasn't good enough. Fuck. I saw this meme of this guy where apparently on like the... 
I don't remember what it's called. There's an app where you can play music on a jukebox at another location. Okay. And uh, he's like texting his wife and he's like, hey, how's the bar? She's like, oh, it's good. I'm having fun with the girls. He's like, are you having a whiskey drink or a vodka drink? (laughs) She's like, oh, gin and tonic or whatever. He's like, I tried to take a bath, but the kids just kept thumping on the tub. (laughs) She was like, oh, that's too bad. He's like, yeah, I finally got him down, but they got back up again. And she goes, wait, are you doing this? He just kept playing the song over and over. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Um. Anyway, yeah, fucking Devin Sal. Have you seen him? He's fucking jacked. No, I haven't seen him. No, he's 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 one of those guys that is just like he's fucking jacked now. He's like, I'm not working anymore. I'm just gonna just work out like (laughs) crazy. Why not? Uh, there's also a rumor that maybe Danny Trejo might be involved, possibly. Okay. Which is funny, because apparently the film is wrapped, so. <laughs> so they're just going to be like, oh, okay. Well, like, you just... think someone would know by now if Danny Trejo was in it? Yeah. It's like, all right, Danny, if you're free, we'll shoot some extra scenes, because. He's going to green screen him, or? <laughs> yeah. That's how movies work. Um. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, you, you can't see Veronica yet, so who knows when you're going to be able to see this one. How does it have a cult following if you can't see it? He's doing like a tour of it. And that qualifies as a cult following, huh? I mean... Because people paid for it? I guess. <laughs> oh, okay. It's She Hates Me or Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. <laughs> That's right. And then the big finish was both at the same time. <laughs> Oh, you fat dink. (laughs) (sighs) So, are you hype on Death Rider? Touch Tunes. That's the app where you can apparently... I I, I knew what you were talking about, but I couldn't remember the name of it. Yeah. Well, now you know. So you can just John Mulaney people at at other bars. (laughs) (laughs) I think you have to be within a radius. Otherwise, it doesn't work. I. It seemed odd to me that that would even be a thing. But yeah, no, it definitely is. But how it's so hard to find a bar that's actually using that. Yeah, because they've always got. I mean, they're like a panel. They're not like an actual jukebox. It's a panel on the wall, um, and it's like you can go up there and you could try to put a song on, but it's probably not going to come on. Yeah, <laughs> because they're playing their own house music, mm. which is irritating. Oh man, I went back to when you remember that Irish place we went to when we were in LA? Yeah. We went back there. Oh, I told you about this. Um yeah, when my wife and I were down there, we went back there and remember how that bartender was telling us the place was going to hell? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not great. Really? Yeah, I mean it's the same restaurant or the same bar, obviously, but the service has really taken a decline. Um and it's just like it, it took us forever to get food, and like we ordered an appetizer, and it came out after there were meals. And <laughs> it was great when we went because the bartender was like, "It's my last day, just fucking booze it up." Yeah, it's like have these really heavy poured <laughs> drinks. I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Fire me? But anyway, cool. Danzig making movies, writing songs, and fighting around the world, <laughs> and getting laid the fuck out. <laughs>
So, Tommy Blum is at it again. Uh-oh. Didn't learn his lesson from fucking Black Christmas. <laughs> Four million dollars. Which is bad even for a Blumhouse movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, I've heard people, like, I make the argument. It's like, okay, Blumhouse movies are given a $5 million budget. That's, like, their thing. They make $5 million movies. Um, and then basically anything over $5 million that they get in at the box office is just strictly profit. And, like, I've heard the argument. It's like, oh, well, you know, they're putting in probably another few million into advertising. It's just like, are they? Depends on the movie. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. I tried to find out like how much their marketing budget was, but I had no luck. Um, not that I really cared all that much because anything that's like basically if you don't make back your budget, you failed. You fucking failed hard. <laughs> I mean, at this point they're up to nine point one million dollars, it says so. Worldwide. Yeah. Yeah, and see that's what bugs me. Is like Actually, at the time, so that was opening weekend in America. Internationally, they had made at the time um, something like seven, seven point one or something like that. Um, so it's like they made their budget budget back plus some. And it's just like that's what people aren't really acknowledging. It's like okay, yeah, this movie tanked at the box office. Good, fuck them. It's like, but they made money, and that's what they're looking at. They don't give a shit if they made a shitty movie. <laughs> Which apparently they did, because it's 39% on Rotten Tomatoes, 3.2 out of 10 on IMDb, 30% on Fandango, 42% on Google. And you know, it's like, I wish people would listen to me. (laughs) Because I saw that trailer, and I'm like, hey, that doesn't look anything like Black Christmas. This is probably terrible. Even though the original Black Christmas isn't very good. Spoiler alert to our future Patreon video. (laughs) Stop, like, you. I, I get you have this idea and you're like, oh, it's basically like, what if Black Christmas was, you know, a more female-empowered movie? And it's like, that's great and all. So go make that movie. Don't call it Black Christmas. Yeah. Because that's not fucking Black Christmas. It's like we were talking about the Carrie, upcoming Carrie series before we went on mic. They're making a new Carrie series and apparently Carrie is going to be played by either a trans person or a person of color, which is great in theory but we were saying you know there's a fine line between representation and exploitation yeah and it feels like they're crossing that line yeah and um there's nothing really specifically mentioning that carrie is uh white so in theory she could be a person of color i mean whatever she's always been represented as white and I think Stephen King probably meant her to be white, but there's nothing spe- specifically saying that she is. So, argument's sake, could or you can make an argument that she could be any of, of, of any race. Um, but I mean, the opening scene of the story is her having her first period in the shower. Yep. Uh, and I'm sorry. That doesn't happen to trans women. Like, I, th- I think people are finally getting tired of studios making their own movies that are, you know, tangentially t- tied to another movie and just using that title to try and get people in the theater. Yeah. People are finally waking up to it and finally realizing it's bullshit. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, 
it takes a lot of fucking nuts uh, for some something like Blumhouse, who which has up until recently been a total boys club, and only changed when they got called out on it. Yep. Um, when, when Tommy Blum opened his fat mouth. Yeah. And now suddenly it's like, oh, they're all about girl power. It's like, fuck you, Blum. <laughs> You're so full of shit. Um, but And now it's like when Black Christmas fucking tanked, everybody's like, oh, well, nobody wants to see a movie about... Or, it, you know, pe- people are saying, oh, it's because this world doesn't want to see a movie that's based around strong women directed by a woman. It's probably that they didn't want to see a movie that looked like it was dog shit. Yeah. It looked like a bad movie. People probably didn't want to see a PG-13 Black Christmas. Sure. Isn't that what I said? Oh, wait. PG-13. Okay, that was the point. Um, yeah. I mean, the remake of Black Christmas wasn't that good, but it was at least like the original. Yeah. Um, Like, we went from... Let's reboot every or let's remake everything to let's just use titles on things. Yeah. And, you know, we'll make a woke version of that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Like, just I make your own fucking movie. <laughs> I've said it before. It's like I'm, you know, to paraphrase Lloyd Kaufman. Yeah. Actually, I think that's a direct quote from Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've I've said it before. It's like I'm I'm as as uh, left leaning and, and liberal as the next person, but there's a point where this woke culture gets just it gets in its own way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like I said, I feel like it's being exploited by these Hollywood studios. Oh, it absolutely is. It's it's the, I mean, it's just like them using a theme in a movie, um, like. Uh, you know, uh, what's an example? Like, um, let's take something like uh, like Unfriended. You know, it's like, oh, social media, it's so hot right now. Let's make a movie about that. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. They're, u- they're using it to make money, and they really could give a shit less, or could not give a sh- less of a shit. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah. I'm having a hard day. <laughs> And like I said, they're not even doing it in a way where they're creating new content. They're just taking old movies and just changing them in a way that makes them more, you know, culturally relevant. Yeah. But anyway, how do we get on this? Uh, we were ranting about Blumhouse. <laughs> Holy House shit, again. we haven't even started talking about the story. <laughs> nope. Uh, um, Blumhouse has finally sunk their finger, their 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 greasy fingers into. Uh, a, a, a Stephen King property. <laughs> Little greasy guys. <laughs> uh, which I can only imagine that Tommy has been just foaming at the mouth to make a Stephen King movie. Um, and they've landed the property of Firestarter, um, and they have found their director. Collider is reporting that Keith Thomas, uh, I assume the director of The Vigil, which I'm not familiar with, to be honest, um, will direct their adaptation of Stephen King's classic sci-fi and horror novel. Um, Halloween Kills, oh boy, it's co-writer or co-screenwriter Scott Teams has been put in charge of adapting Blumhouse's new take on the semi. Here we go, new take. Here we, yeah, that's fun. That's new take. Good on the semi-classic, semi-classic. What does that mean? King novel for Universal, Blumhouse, and Akiva Goldsman's Weed Road. 
the original film starred David Keith and Heather Locklear as a couple that... Should have starred Keith David. That would have been better. <laughs> How'd you get the beans about Frank? <laughs> um... Uh, I lost my place. David Keith and Heather Locklear. As a couple that, as youths, participated in a, in secret experiments, allowing themselves to be subjected to mysterious medical te- medical tests. Years later, the couple's daughter, Charlie, uh, played by Drew Barrymore, begins to exhibit the ability to set fire solely with her mind. This volatile talent makes the youngster extremely dangerous, and soon she becomes a target for the enigna- enigmatic agency known as The Shop. Yep. Are you excited? Nope. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, Even if this was a good studio making it, I wouldn't be excited about this. No. It's like... If... Uh, I don't know. There's there's so many things in line for this that make it sound bad. Yeah. <laughs> to where... Like, I, I'm not a big Firestarter fan to begin with. Um. And I actually, you know, when when it said semi classic, I had my head carry. I think Firestar actually is kind of a semi classic. Um, I don't know. It's not. It's not a great story. It's kind of boring, to be honest. Um, I don't know why it's been remade so many fucking times. Has it? Yeah, they made them. I mean, they made the original movie. They made um, a sequel. Can't remember if it was a movie or like a mini series on the Sci-Fi Channel. Actually, I guess it's just those two. I, th- I thought there was another one, but I think I might be thinking of Carrie again. Then <laughs> <laughs> there was the Rage Firestarter Two, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like everybody is jumping on Stephen King properties, and we've been over this before. Um, it's just. You know, everybody's making their Stephen own Stephen King movie because it's such a hot hot item now. And it's like when you get down to scraping the bottom of the barrel. I mean, you've got the big ones that have already been made. It, yeah, The Shining and remade and re, yeah and remade. I mean, you've got it. You know, Doctor Sleep slash The Shining, um, and uh, Misery. Yeah, I mean Misery and you know Castle Rock. Uh, to add to that. Um, and yeah, just everybody's buying up all these Stephen King properties if, if they didn't already own them and to the point where Stephen King will make a book or, re- you know, release a book before and before it's even released, he would have already sold the film rights. Yep. Like, um, uh, uh, the, the outsider, it's a series they're making, uh, on HBO with Jason Bateman. It's a book that just came out last year and by the time that book came out, they'd already announced that they were making the show. So it's just, I don't know. It's a good time to be Stephen King, I guess. I guess, yeah. Um, but it may be a bad time to be a Stephen King fan. Mm, yeah. <laughs> because historically, Stephen King adaptations have not been good. It's true. Although there have been some winners lately. I mean, It was good. Yeah. It, too, was not as good, but still good. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of the Flanagan movies were were great. Yeah, um, but then there was Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery was dog shit, um, and I'm still disappointed by that. 
That should have been so good. Mm-hmm. It had so much going for it. Yep. <laughs> that's 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 case in point of leaving stuff alone. Stop changing stories. Yeah. Stephen King wrote it a certain way because he's a literary genius. He says, though, if he could go back, he would write it the way that it was oh, in the movie. Oh, fuck I him. I don't buy that. Though. No, I don't buy that for a second. Um, yeah. Anyway. So, fire starter. Sorry, sorry. Starter. Fire starter. <laughs> um, okay. Now, I'm reading his new book right now, The Institute. Um, and... Can't wait for the movie. <laughs> it's, it's like by the time I'm done with it, maybe the movie will be. Yeah, done. probably. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm kind of still in like the first quarter of the book, almost almost halfway, I think. Um, and there are two storylines going on, and I'm waiting for them to come together. I know they will eventually. I'm just still waiting for them to come together. Um, but it's called the Institute, and there's obviously the the titular institute in the story. In my head, I'm thinking, is this going to end up being a a secret Firestarter sequel? Mm. Because in my head, I was thinking it was it the wasn't shop. the shop. It was I, in my head, it was the institute. But now I remember it is the shop. So, but I mean, maybe it's it's it has very similar themes. So it's it's possible. Interesting. I'm just waiting for it to happen because he did it with Doctor Sleep. He made a, a sequel that uh, was its own story, but had ties to a previous book. Right. So, anyway, Firestarter, Blumhouse, shooting for the stars. Companionship is where you find So I take what I can get. Hubcaps on the cars like funhouse mirrors. Stick to the shadows and I can. Lovecraft and Brooklyn. So Deadline is reporting that David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, who are the showrunners behind this little independent program called Game of Thrones. Hmm, I've heard of that. Uh, they've signed a deal with Warner Brothers to create an adaptation of Hans Rodionov's graphic novel Lovecraft. Um, hopefully it's not incredibly racist. <laughs> you know, as Lovecraft is known to be. Oh, yeah. I heard a rumor. I have no idea if this is true, but I heard a rumor that his cat was named the N word. That's that's quite a thing. <laughs> uh, the film will be written by Phil Hay, 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 Hay and Matt Manfredi. <laughs> Man, Manfredi, Manfredi, uh, the writing producing team behind Destroyer and The Invitation. Did you see The Invitation? Um, which one was that? I mean, I don't think I saw it, but I can't think of what it is. Uh, I never saw it, but I heard it was pretty good. I remember the the poster had like a glass of wine. It was like a wine glass on it. Was that was was it Jason? B- no, it's the gift. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, Lovecraft is set in the 1920s and works under the supposition that the monsters H.P. Lovecraft wrote about were in fact real. Ooh, there's there's some creative writing there. <laughs> Uh, Rodionoff in the graphic novel imagines a scenario in which the author actually becomes the keeper of a piece of the infamous Necronomicon, interweaving actual events from the author's life into the narrative. Mm -hmm. Trapped in a world of macabre creatures and grotesque thoughts, the writer found escape only by weaving his living nightmares into fictional blood-curling horror stories, 
an uncensored tour into a troubled mind, this beautifully painted hardcover edition traces the toils of a man considered both mentally ill and genius as he stumbles across the fine line between reality and insanity. It's like a grown-up Goosebumps. Kinda. Although, I guess in that, R.L. Stein like, wrote them into existence. Which didn't make sense to me, because it's like, hey man, if you wrote a book and suddenly the monster became real, maybe you should stop writing books. Yeah. Or, you know... Or couldn't you just write a new book where they all just go away? Right. Uh, or, like, I think it was, like, the, actually the typewriter that was bringing them to life. So it's like... Just get rid of the typewriter. get a different typewriter. It's, this, this one's defective. Yeah. Maybe don't, like, don't, like, donate it or anything since somebody else might get it. But just, yeah. you know, like, like put it in the case and put it in a closet somewhere. Yeah, yeah. With, so, like, a, like, a heavy-duty lock and a sign that says, do not touch or something. So people in the future can't find it and... And yeah, and use it. Then yeah. <laughs> you know, someday there'll be like a like an abandoned old house, and nobody will really know much about it. And they'll are find we pitching it. right now? <laughs> I kind of think this was actually sort of the theme of the Goosebumps movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Love Lovecraft. He's so hot right now. Is he? Isn't he? I keep seeing like not not necessarily people actually reading Lovecraft books because why would anybody read? Um, but like like Cthulhu like stuffed dolls and stuff like that. Just like yeah, that's true. But like it, in like movies and stuff, I feel like you, you you'll see like a Lovecraftian horror, and it's like it's not actually Lovecraft, but yeah, it's Lovecraftian. Yeah, I don't think I've seen an actual movie based. Well, no, there've probably been a lot of independent Lovecraft films that just kind of fly below the radar. The last one I can remember seeing for myself was Dagon. Um, it's been a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's it's more people are really into Lovecraft merchandise because yeah. uh, people want everyone to think that they really read Lovecraft <laughs> and they know all about it. It's like, oh, yeah, the, the, the elder one or the... Yeah, elder ones. The, the elder gods. It's like... Cthulhu, yeah, I know all about it. It's fine. Yeah, you know, Cthulhu, you know, you know the guy. Look at my socks; it's got Cthulhu on them. I read Lovecraft. Yeah, totally. I love PH Lovecraft. Oh, I don't like the world now. It's just like, why would you rock something that you've never experienced? Because it's cool looking. That's stupid. That's dumb. That's dumb. That's something a dumb person would do. <laughs> like I don't think in my life I've ever uh, purchased something that I wasn't already familiar with. Because it's like I don't know what this is. Why would I have any interest in it? Yeah. I saw something and people were like, uh, you know, all the Harry Potter fans are so like distraught right now because they're like, how can we still enjoy this work of fiction knowing that the author is such a piece of shit? And all the HP Lovecraft fans are like, let me, let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> that came out of left field. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really give a shit about uh, what's her face? HP Rowling. Yeah, J.K. Rowling, that's her <laughs> name. the author's using two initials and a last name, just being awful people? Uh, I don't know. Um, but that really, because she's always been such a, uh, a, a proponent of the left. 
like basically like across the board. Mm-hmm. And then this comes out. It's just like, oh, so you don't like something when it affects you personally. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. You're a convenience liberal. <laughs> it's like, I am, I am not all the way to the left because I, unlike a lot of people, when something inconveniences me and I don't like it, I'll be vocal about it. I won't say that. I won't. I won't pretend to support something and secretly resent it. Yeah. It's like no. It's like I get to pick and choose my politics because this is America. Yeah. <laughs> People seem to forget that it's not just like the left and the right. It's everyone wants to clump everybody into the left or the right now. And it's like, Oh, the left does this and the right does that. And it's yeah. like, no, people have individual thoughts and mm-hmm. it's not just fucking hive minds. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, let's take like, um, our two party system is fucking bullshit. Oh, I know. Well, it's because it's, it's run that we've, we've cemented them in over, uh, generations at this point as being the only two choices. Yeah. And, you know, when, when people get set in their ways. Um, <laughs> what about Ralph? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> uh, Game of Thrones? No. Yeah, Game of Thrones <laughs> and Cthulhu, which I guess kind of fits. Sure, yeah. Dragons and whatever. Mm, yeah, whatnot. <laughs> Right now, Max is going, you're not fucking dragons. <laughs> it's like a dragon. <laughs> We're going to make his head explode. <laughs> I mean, it's a big, big green thing. It's like with... a big dragon. It's, it's, got, it's got things hanging from He comes from out of the water and he breathes fire. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I like dragons. <laughs> You ever see Dragonheart? That movie was sick. It's like a Cthulhu movie. <laughs> That's why I got the Cthulhu socks, because I love dragons. Max is going to be like, fuck these guys. and turning this off. <laughs> anyway. So, I mean... Okay, so this is a movie about Lovecraft himself, but like a, like a fictional version of himself. Yeah. <laughs> got it. It's kind of like a uh, like a Pride and Prejudice and Zombies situation, but more like historical. Like, sure. like an Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I've seen this movie before. Oh, you know what it was? It was The Last Lovecraft. Did you ever see that? Nope. It's basically this story. or It's a movie about... Uh, I saw The Last Starfighter. Yeah, it's different. Uh-huh. It's a different movie. <laughs> no, this kid, he's like a just a useless lump of shit. Um, but he finds out he's like this last remaining descendant of H.P. Lovecraft, and he finds the Necronomicon, which is real, and like these Lovecraftian monsters start appearing, like dragons and shit, just fucking dragons all over the place. <laughs> uh, and uh, he has to like become not a piece of shit it's like a coming of age story he has mm. to become a not a piece of shit so he can save the world interesting lovecraft dragons <laughs> 
Okay, guys, Ridley Scott is back. At least he's not ruining his own legacy this time. <laughs> um, people, so some people out there are gonna be really mad that I just said that. <laughs> ah, fuck him, fuck him. Because <laughs> I mean, I heard that Blade Runner was dick. Like twenty forty nine was that what it was? I heard that wasn't very good. I don't. I didn't see it. I mean, it had Jared Leto in it, so how good could it fucking be? <laughs> Um, and then, uh, fucking those two, uh, Prometheus and Alien, whatever the fuck, uh, those were shit. Yeah, those were not good. <laughs> They're so bad. I, I think it's funny that like when Prometheus came out, everybody's like, oh my God, it's so fucking good because it's Ridley Scott. So it's like, you gotta say that. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not. It's dog shit. It's boring as fuck. And ironically, the best alien movie that ever came out <clears throat> was one that was directed by James Cameron who also makes shitty movies now. <laughs> so just got hot takes. takes. <laughs> um, anyway, but Ridley Scott is partnering with writer Simon Allen uh, who was, I assume, the writer of the Das Boot remake. Das Boot! Right. It's the bubble! <laughs> It's frustrating. <laughs> They're remaking Das Boot. Or did remake Das Boot? I don't know. Did they? Someone did. Or mm. is or might. I like the the uh someone wrote it. The 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 Das Boot joke in uh Beer Fest when Jurgen Prochnally was like, sorry, something about these U boats. I had a bad experience once. <laughs> Because he was in Das Boot. Right. Ah. Um, and, and then later they drank out of Das Boot. Yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. It's tie-in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and director Toby Meekins on a new short, for, short form, Quibi Gaming Through. There's a lot of stuff going on here. <laughs> it's a short form Quibi Gaming Thriller called Cursor. Curse R? Cursor. R? It's apparently all... the new Das Boot is a Hulu series. Oh. Okay. Well, I don't trust that. I don't trust that at all. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I mean, did you watch Castle Rock at all? I started to. I lost interest in it. Me too. A lot of people say it's so good. And it's like, well. It's okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've seen better. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, uh, 112263, that was awful, which, and, which was really upsetting because it was such a good book. So I have little faith in Hulu's original series. Mm. <sighs> anyway. Uh, Deadline reports the show will follow a broke student who, in pursuit of an unclaimed $100,000 prize, plays an obscure 1980s survival computer game. Okay. Uh, after a series of unexpectedly terrifying moments, she soon realizes that she's no longer playing for the money, but for her own life, as the game locks her into an ines inescapable cycle of horror. Horror. Did you say where this was going to be? Where? Yeah. Like, who's showing it? I don't think I've gotten there yet. It's in the first line. Is it? <laughs> oh, yeah, Quibi. Yeah. 
I said that. Yeah, fucking Quibi. I still don't know what Quibi is. We've reported on like eight things that are going to be on Quibi, and I still don't understand what Quibi is. Maybe it's like a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> Something that doesn't actually exist, but you know, people just keep throwing their money at it. <laughs> it's going to be like a streaming service. It's like, hey, you know, like like when Disney Plus was selling like uh, pre-order for Disney, or when Disney was selling pre-orders for Disney Plus, and it's just like, hey, get Disney Plus on day one. It's like, why do I need to pay you now for that? <laughs> Like I'm still gonna, I can still give you money on day one, and you know have access. I don't need to do it now. They're selling it like, and you don't even get like a benefit of it. It's just like, hey, get your subscription now. It's like, well, why? But why? I can't watch anything. <laughs> it's like, are you gonna give me like a pair of mouse ears or something? At least make it worth my while, right? A churro? How about <laughs> it's a fucking churro? Uh, let's see. Oh, remember when I brought those churros home for my wife? Yep. They didn't really travel well. <laughs> you don't say. They got kind of soggy. Um, and I think I probably should have bought them at the end of the day. I would have given them a fighting chance. The fact that I bought them when we first got there was probably not the best Yeah, move. that was probably a mistake. I mean, they're still intact. They just got a little, a little soggy. <laughs> and she put them in the freezer, and they're still there. She of course. She didn't eat them. If I learned anything from our last episode, it's that you can put things in the freezer forever. <laughs> they will last one and a half to 11 years. <laughs> she, <laughs> she put them in and just, I'm like, why are they in the freezer? She's like, oh, I want to figure out how to get them crispy again. Like, By freezing know. them? Yeah, it's like, this is... You're going to eat them like a lollipop? <laughs> it's like, this is not crispy. This is frozen. <laughs> There's a difference. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Ridley Scott said, with all the many platforms on which one can now show content, including the groundbreaking breaking new format at Quibi. What is Quibi? <laughs> Why is it groundbreaking? Because it's short? Like, everything we've heard about Quibi is it's, it's like short form. Yeah, but that's not groundbreaking. What does that mean? Is that like two minutes? Five minutes? Two minutes. Ten minutes? One 15, minute. 20? What is short form? <laughs> you know, I, I think I told you about Go90, right? What about Go90? Do you know what it was? No. <laughs> it was this Wasn't thing from like Verizon? It was from Verizon. Yeah, it was a, a, a was it an app. I think it, I think it was an app. Um that you know if you're a Verizon customer you could download it. Um and basically it was short form uh films. There were uh you know short films, uh series and each episode or short film was 90 seconds long so i mean you got to be very concise but from what i understand of quibi it's the same thing i mean quibi might be longer and it's series right you said there was series right yeah there were there were some series um but uh it's not groundbreaking fucking verizon did that shit already fucking ridley scott is like oh i'm such an innovator (laughs) fuck you Fuck you, Ridley Scott. Uh, let's see. Groundbreaking new format at Quibi. This is an extraordinary time to be a filmmaker. Because you can make two-minute films? And people will give you money for it, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, this is a fucking day's work. <laughs> this is great. Give me money now. Uh, we are very much looking forward to working with Jeffrey Katzenberg and his Quibi team. Uh, 
as as well as these very talented filmmakers Toby and Simon to create a series that promises to break new boundaries in the horror genre. It's so weird that Quibi seems to be putting out so many different, well, they claim to be putting out all these different horror-related things, but haven't really defined themselves as a horror streaming service. Right. So I'm, because didn't we see something that was like a, fuck it, no, I don't remember. I swear, though, we saw something that wasn't horror-related. Well, and, like, if you are going to be horror, why would you name yourself fucking Quibi? Yeah, what is that even? <laughs> oh, it's Quick Bites. Wasn't that what it's supposed to mean? Oh, I didn't hear about that. I thought, I think, like, the first time we talked about it, we kind of covered that. I don't know. It doesn't Quick matter. Bi- oh, Quibi. The, literally, the first words on my website are Quick Bites. Ha-ha, got it. Of captivating entertainment created for mobile by the best talent designed to fit perfectly into any moment of your day. So while you're like taking a shit, you can watch a movie. Yeah. That's that's neat, I guess. Or I could just watch a YouTube video. Quibi. Noun. Quick bites. Brief. A tech and entertainment startup in Hollywood. That's fake definition. That's not real. They, probably, they made that it's, up. It's probably not real. <laughs> oh, that's not in the fucking dictionary. Lying piece of shit. <laughs> You never surfed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Quibi is a built for millennials streaming. Fuck you. Oh, eat my shit. (laughs) Quibi is built for millennials. Yeah, go to the about page. Look at how many of these people are fucking millennials. Oh, I know. There is not a single person on there that's under the age of like 35. No. No. Fake-ass millennials. <laughs> You've never been a millennial. Lying fucking boomer. Fucking boomers. I saw this thing uh, yesterday. Um, the, apparently, Generation Z is being defined as Zoomers. Zoomers. Yeah. Uh, saying, like, Zoomers are in a place where... Oh, fuck. Never mind. Forget I said anything. I can't remember <laughs> the joke. It's something about, like, having to deal with boomers and... Like uh, millennials being too tired to help, <laughs> which is accurate. I just don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> Quibi hits $100 million in ad sales before 2020 launch. This is a pyramid scheme. It's totally a pyramid. This is, this is bullshit. It's fucking Ponzi scheme. Lying fucking boomers. <laughs> it's like, hey, let's make money off of these stupid fucking millennials. Because they don't have an attention... Because we we rob them of their attention spans with screens <laughs> their entire lives. Fucking boomers. And then we overcharge them for rent. <laughs> and underpay them for jobs. And tell them that life will get better if they finish college. Lies. Just Lies. lie after lie. Have more fucking debt. <laughs> oh, but Quibi's hiring. Let's get, our, let's get a job at Quibi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to be part of the movement to we can, fucking uh, steal people's money. We can be the audience and be a trailblazer. <laughs> And choose the hard right. What? <laughs> Versus the easy wrong. That made it sound like they're Nazis. <laughs> like uh, like Jay Baruchel on Letterkenny. <laughs> Join the hard right. Uh, Anton's. Wait, who's Anton? I lost track. Anton Yelchin, one love. Mm, where are you at? Have we men- I don't think the story mentions anybody named Anton. Anton's CEO, Sebastian Raybod. Who's Anton? What's, what is Anton? Anton must be some kind of company. Okay. Anton's CEO and founder, Sebastian Raybaud, 
added, Simon and Toby are extraordinarily talented filmmakers and have proven successes in the short-form horror genre. London-based financier and producer Anton. Is it named after a person named Anton? It's named after Anton Yelchin. One love. Wait, no. It's they just really love his work. So good. They loved him in Star Trek. He's a great guy. <laughs> um... Uh, the visionary teams at Scott Free, Stigma Films, and Quibi will no doubt ensure a groundbreaking series. Keep using this term "groundbreaking." I don't think they, I don't think it means what you think it means. Yeah, I'm still so confused by Quibi because, like, you go to their site. There's, there's no kind of like, this is what we are. This is the, this is our content. There's no content anywhere on their page. There's like they keep announcing all these series. Why isn't it on their website? Oh, because it's absolutely a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> and their website is bright fucking purple. Did you see that movie Accepted with Justin Long? No. Well, basically, he created a fake community college. And then people, through, oh, a, that movie. Yeah, through yeah. a series of unfortunate events, he started collecting tuition money from these sad fucks and then made a fake, like, actually made a fake college. Up to that point, this is basically Quibi. <laughs> Okay, their Twitter account is what the fuck is Quibi. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, Legend of the Hidden Temple is coming to Quibi. For what, two minutes? What is happening? Are they just gonna like actually do the temple? Is there sound? There's gotta be no, sound. No, it's a GIF. Um... What is Quibi? It's that moment when the toilet just keeps running and you have to jiggle the handle to make it stop. What? That's what? not a sales point. This member of the Quibi team who keeps Dave Franco grounded in the present keeps confusing LaCroix and Quibi. What is what is this? What is this? What is happening? This is a smoke screen. This is a fucking lie. Oh. It also has 50 stages of fright with Sam Raimi. Okay. Wait, is it fright or fear? Figure it out, bloody disgusting. Your tweet and your headline contradict each other. Fucking bloody disgusting. 50 cent? Fuck. What is Quibi? Why is... Reno 911 is on Quibi? What the fuck is happening? I think this is all a lie. Punked? Singled out? (laughs) How How are these shows on Quibi? Yeah, this goes directly against what they're selling. Unless you watch like segments of a show. We're going to be groundbreaking by showing TV shows from the 80s and 90s. <laughs> Fucking singled out. Watch back Jenny back when Jenny McCarthy was like a fun kind of crazy. Yeah. She was just like that weird girl that, you, that was fun to look at. And now she's like that that irritating woman that you just don't want to see on screen. Yeah. Who wears too much body glitter. Mm. And has had too much plastic surgery. Yeah. And doesn't vaccinate her kids. Which which that alone makes her a terrible person. Uh, sorry for any of you, um, probably mostly millennials at this point, who don't vaccinate your kids. You're a bad person. Unless they have like health issues where you can't vaccinate them, in which case you should be upset at other people who don't vaccinate their kids for whatever Yeah, because they're going to get your kids sick. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Quibi, it's... Something. It's a thing. <laughs> Maybe. Bring money. Yeah. We, we, we can neither confirm nor deny the existence of Quibi. 
You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get a little drink. Oh yeah? A little drink? Yeah, I'll have a little drink. A little drink. Christmas time, Christmas time, drinking on Christmas. So uh Michael Bluth himself, Mr. Jason Bateman, has recently moved into the director's chair. He's all like, hitcha. Uh Barkhart. Um Sugarfoot. Sugarfoot. Did you watch Sugarfoot? I loved it. Sing sing the the theme of the Sugarfoot with Yeah, Sugarfoot. <laughs> I wish that I wish that Netflix didn't ruin Arrested Development. (laughs) Yeah. Why did you pick the most complicated bottle opener? I don't know. It's just the first one I saw. Use the one that looks like a screwdriver. Let's see one. On the other side. Open the other side. It's, it's all towels. It's multifaceted. It's towels. What? Are you new? Yes. <laughs> I remember my first beer. <laughs> uh, Deadline is reporting that Bateman will be returning to the horror genre soon with a new line thriller called Shut In. Mm-hmm. Uh, the spec script by first-time scribe Melanie Toast. Toast. <laughs> uh, is an edgy contained thriller a la Panic Room in which a single mother is held captive by her violent ex with her two young children left at risk. Was she must do everything to protect them and survive. Was Panic Room edgy? Kind of. I mean, it was fucking Jodie Foster and Kristen Stewart locked in a fucking room for an hour and a half. Was it Kristen Stewart? Yeah. Oh. The little baby Kristen Stewart. Um, and fucking Jared Leto. And you all know how I feel about him. I love his music, hate his movies. I hate everything about him. I hate That's his... not what I've heard. I've, I've heard you're a big closet 30 Seconds to Mars guy. Yeah. Yeah. You love that one song? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one song is secretly my jam. I, I can't name a single fucking 30 no. Seconds to Mars song. <laughs> All I know is every single thing that I've heard from them, and I couldn't really uh, tell you one fr- one song from another. It's all been awful. You know what the best uh, best Jared Leto movie is? The one you don't watch, Fight Club. Yep, when he gets his face punched in. Yep, it's the best part. Or or like American uh, Psycho when he gets killed with an axe. Yeah, I just wish it was actually on screen. Yeah, because I. Bloodlust. <laughs> uh, if you're hoping to see Patrick Bateman possibly as like a violent ex or something, I hate to disappoint you, but he will not be starring in the movie. <laughs> Film is all set to begin production in the first quarter of 2020. Um, like I said, this is not the first time that Bateman has directed. He has recently uh, finished directing HBO's upcoming adaptation of Stephen King's <laughs> The Outsider. Uh, tie in. <laughs> Uh, which will premiere on HBO on January 12th, 2020. He did star in that, though. Yes. I don't know. Actually, that's spoilers for anybody that uh, hasn't read the book, so I'm not going to talk about that. What are you going to talk about when they uh, invaded WCW? 
Jason Bateman? No, The Outsiders. Oh. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. No, I wasn't going to do that. We're going to spoil who the third man was. It was Hulk Hogan. <laughs> That's neat. <laughs> We're talking about Bash at the Beach 96, right? I don't I don't know what's going on. I didn't watch WCW. I know nothing about when that. When they started the NWO. Okay. I know NWO was the thing. But again, I didn't watch WCW, <laughs> so a lot of that is just over my head. Best part of WCW was the cruiserweights. Everything else was kind of dumb. Or like Halloween Havoc. Fuck yeah. It was dope. I hate that WWE owns the rights to the name Halloween Havoc and they won't do shit with it. Right. They got too many other inane pay-per-views to make up every year. Oh, yeah, we got to have, you know, Hell in a Cell every year where every match is in a Hell in a Cell. That's that's so interesting. <laughs> it's like a Hell in a Cell is supposed to be like this big blow-off to a giant feud. Yeah. And it's Now it's just a novelty. <laughs> Once a year. Yeah. Fuck off, Vince. <laughs> But uh, Jason Bateman, shut in, starring Jodie Foster and Kristen Stewart. (laughs) Um, Okay. And not Jason Bateman. Horror business! (laughs) Yay! We made it, and it only took us an hour and a half. (laughs) We uh, we, uh, went on some rants there. Not not only We hadn't even started drinking yet. It was not only rants, but they we we went on tangents, and we rambled. There were diatribes. <laughs> most, I think, most of this hour and a half was just us talking about nothing important. Yep, just uh, yelling at Blumhouse and trying to figure out what Quibi is. <laughs> but hey, you know that's what? the high quality journalism you get right here at the Grave Plot Podcast. <laughs> But you know what the ge- the most important thing is, guys? We had fun. Well, there's that. Oh. But also, Donald Trump has been officially impeached. Yeah. It's hard for me to get excited because the Congress is just going to sweep it under the rug. Oh, I know. But you know what? That doesn't matter because he's still the f- only the third president in U.S. history to have been impeached. First in his first term. There you go. Um... That's saying something. Yeah. I mean, in over 200 years of existence, only three presidents have been impeached, and this piece of shit was one of them. Even if it gets tossed out by the Senate, which I know it probably will because Mr. McConnell is a piece of shit, uh, he's still got impeached, and Mitch McConnell can't change that as much as he wants to. Yeah. And Trump can't fit, change that either. That, that's going to... that's. <laughs> Until the day he dies, and probably onwards, his legacy will be that he's been impeached. Did you see him at the rally, like, during the impeachment vote? No. He was you know, he's doing that thing that he does at all his rallies now where he just, like, leans back on the podium. Mm. He's just like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm having fun. I'm like, yeah, you are so full of quaaludes right now. <laughs> yeah, we missed that because, you know, we recorded 146 two weeks before it came out. Uh, right? Two weeks? The first time, yeah. What about the second time? That was uh, like a week and a half. Okay. Well, it's been a while. And we happened to release the episode <laughs> the day before, day after he yeah. was impeached. So that's just our luck. Yep. 
we thought we beat the system, and it really just... I mean, not that it was horror-related, but, I mean... His presidency has been It's real-world horror, yeah. So there's that. Anyway, that's going to do it for Horror Business, guys. And as this is our Christmas episode, and tis the season of gift-giving, we have some gifts for each other. To give. On Christmas. Or near it. (laughs) So we're going to move right along to our sharing of gifts. All right. Now for the ceremonial giving of gifts. Because Christmas. The birth of the Christ child. (laughs) Our Lord and Savior. But not really, though. No. Because he was born in the spring. Yeah, he was born in like April or something like yeah. that. Probably closer to Easter. Which... Ironically. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah, we we each get each other gift or a gift every year because we do a podcast for a living, so we don't have mo- money. <laughs> we could use our Patreon money to buy each other gifts. <laughs> it's a write-off. That's pretty much just buying ourselves things, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, if you want to look at it that way. <clears throat> okay. Um, so, let me grab the gifts. Hold on. There's yours. And this is mine. I take it cheese did the wrapping? Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I don't think that's your handwriting. Nope. She was like, I'm going to put a little heart on it. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> It's in between our names, which means that you love me. I mean, yeah. I mean, Taylor, I like you as a friend. <laughs> All right. Um, who wants? Who, you want, who do you want to go to first? You want a ro- uh, rock, paper, scissors, a Rochambeau? Or? Yeah, let's, let's rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Wait, on three or after three? After three. All right. One, One two, two, three. three. Sorry. You said after three. <laughs> okay, let's try that again. One, One two, two, three. three. Shoot. One, two, three, shoot. All right. Okay, here I go. This is from Taylor. There's a little heart. You can't see it because you're too far away. Suckers. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I think this is the same wrapping paper from last year. And the year before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, just rip it. I want to save the paper. I think I make that joke every year, don't I? Probably. Well, at least I'm consistent. Oh, nice. That is cool. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I want to see the whole shirt. It's right there. That's cool. This is a Funko uh, Friday the 13th shirt. And it comes with a little guy. A little guy. It's, uh... I think it's supposed to be like the NES version, right? Yeah. Yep. That's sweet. Thank you. You're welcome. I will wear it in good health. Good health. God damn it. Can I goddamn go now? <laughs> so I tried to get you something like uh, meaningful, um, and I couldn't think of anything, so I just <laughs> got you some some stuff. <laughs> if this was just stuff from around your house, I swear to God. <laughs> She wrapped her cat. <laughs> she wrapped her cat. 
Oh, sweet. It's a ghost hat. With the monster from uh, from sequel or prequel on the bottom. I'm, and, and there's a shirt. I bought that shirt like three, four months ago. Oh, dope. It's Leslie Vernon. Lost. Found it. Found it. <laughs> Is this Fright Rags? Yeah. Huh. I didn't see this one. I have tried multiple birthdays to get you a Leslie Vernon shirt. They're always sold out or don't have you in size or whatever. This year was the year. Thank you, ma'am. You're welcome. Put it on. I'm not going to put it on. Put on the hat. Put it on. I'll put on the hat. Yeah, I was looking at that, and I'm like, eh, he likes hats. I do like hats. <laughs> I like snapbacks. The snapback. Yeah, that's, that was like, you like snapback hats. I'm going to get him a snapback hat. Get him one of those. You'll wear it, probably, maybe. Yeah, I'll wear it sometimes. Like, not around people, but like. Sure, yeah, in the, in the privacy of your own bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> You're shitting hat. <laughs> a hat for every occasion. <clears throat> okay. Merry Christmas, Taylor. Merry winter. Sure. Merry happy. Did you see what I put on your name tag? Big shoots. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you got me a gift? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so um, that's our Christmas seg segment. Gifts and such. Uh, and Merry Christmas to you and happy, happy holidays and all that. Shit to you, Instagram. And Happy New Year. Okay, now I have to go actually turn the phone off. This is going to be awkward. Especially since I have to sit here by myself awkwardly. I just do this. Oh, you're going to reach across. You'll reach around. How do I even stop this? <laughs> oh, hey, it's right there. It's hard when you're looking at it sideways. And now. Okay. <laughs> I totally saw that coming. <laughs> Merry Christmas! All right, now that all those festivities are out of the way, we can move on to the important stuff. Our opinions on other people's films. Because <laughs> that's what you tune in for. Uh, again, Christmas episode, so we picked two movies that at least have a tenuous tie to uh, Christmas. One more than the other, but fuck it, it's Christmas. Eat my shit. <laughs> Taylor, which film would you like to start with? Let's start with uh, Let's start with I Trapped the Devil. You watch TV. Listen to the news. Things are changing right before our eyes. I follow you here? What? Something feels wrong. There's something in the air. A presence. It has been around for as long as anybody can remember. What have you done? There is something evil locked behind that door. Please help me. 
Who else have you told about this? This is a nightmare. You back a dog into a corner, he's gonna bite. I don't know what he thinks I've done. But he's never gonna let me leave here. Faith makes people dangerous. You guys are not listening. I know this sounds crazy. I am not crazy. You know, it was a nice little Christmas gift was not having to pay for either of these movies. That was a bonus. Um, not even done intentionally. Just, no. Just worked out that they way. They were both on Hulu. <laughs> Who's a Christmas miracle? <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I Trapped the Devil is a 2019 film. Uh, it is written, produced, edited, and directed by Josh Lobo. That means wolf. That is Spanish for Josh Wolf. <laughs> Um, Dick Wolfer on Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we didn't even talk about that. No, we didn't. Uh, yeah, so last week we went and saw um, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot Roadshow. That's what it was called, right? Yep. Yeah, uh, Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes came through Seattle in the Neptune Theater to show their new film, uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Um, and uh, it wasn't so much a reboot; it's more of a sequel. Yeah. Uh, although, but the theme is all about the theme rebooting. is about reboots. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. It was not his worst work, which was refreshing. Yeah, like considering his his most recent movies, I was like, oh, this is gonna t- tarnish the. Oh, I know. The legacy of Strike Back. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of like uh, like Rob Zombie, where it's just like, okay, well, this was his like really good movie, so maybe, yeah, maybe it'll be a return to form. Yeah, and I mean, he hasn't touched the uh, View Askewverse um, in a while. I think probably Jane Silent Bob was the last time, right? Clerks three, or Clerks two. I mean, was it after? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was after Strike Back. Um, but yeah, so that, I mean, that would have been it. Um, and that was fuck ten years ago, maybe more. Yeah. Since then, he's been making these uh, um, movies that his pot-addled mind concocts. Some of them have been okay; others not so much. But uh, yeah, this one was okay. Yeah, it w- <laughs> it wasn't as bad as I was expecting, which was good. Yeah. And then they did a Q&A, and uh, it took Smith 40 minutes to answer one question. Yeah. Like, not not an embellishment. There was, uh, I don't know if she was, like, maybe, like, the road manager or what. She was. Yeah, he said that. Did Okay. Um, but she was sitting on the side of the stage, and clearly they know internally that this is an issue because she had little cards with different, like, five-minute increments uh, that she was holding up. To give them an indication on stage of how long they've been talking. Um, and the only one that was paying attention to them was Jason Muse, who was not really talking because Kevin Smith, as he does, 
was stealing all of the air in the room. <laughs> At one point, Muse took the cards and went and put them right in front of Smith. <laughs> right. And the entire room laughed, except for Smith, who kept talking. <laughs> yeah, that was at about 30 minutes, I think. Yeah. No, that was like 40 minutes. I mean, I feel like he got up to 45 minutes, because I'm pretty sure he, he just put down the 40-minute card. I could be wrong, though. It doesn't matter. But anyway, uh, if you get a chance to see it, it might be worth it. Or you could wait till it comes out on, uh, you know, home media or VOD or whatever. Yeah. He said they were halfway through the tour, and they'd been touring for a few months at this point, I think. Yeah. So, Anyway, so I Trapped the Devil. He said uh, basically all the important stuff done by Josh Lobo. Um, it stars A.J. Bowen. Whose birthday it is today? Hey, Mazel Tov. He's a, a Cap, Capricorn. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I know my Zodiac sign, and that's it. Yep, same here. Mainly because I don't buy into that horse shit. If I did, I would be a much more miserable, miserable person because Geminis have the shittiest, um, uh, what are they called? Horoscopes. <clears throat> okay, so uh, Matt, who is played by A.J. Bowen, and, you know, I mean, it also stars Scott Poitras, Susan Teresa Burke, Jocelyn Donahue, Donahue, and Chris Sullivan. I didn't recognize any of them from anything else. The only person I recognized in this was A.J. Bowen. Jocelyn Donahue? Oh, her? wait, yes, yes. Okay, you're right. I, I I do know her. I forgot she was in this. Well, she's you never really see her very well. She plays... It's not a spoiler. She plays a dead person who you only see in, like, visions. Right. Mostly in, like, static on the TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, Matt and his wife, uh, Karen, um, they show up, they roll up to this house, um, and you don't really know what's going on. Um, actually, there's a cold open to this, isn't there? Oh, uh, okay, you so see we, the cops. Yeah, okay, so we start out with these cops that are opening, and they walk into a house, um, and they're kind of investigating and they just, you don't really see a lot. They don't, I mean, they don't, they intentionally don't show you very much of what they're looking at, but you could tell they have some shock and awe on their face. And, um, and, uh, then we leave this point and presumably jump back towards, you know, maybe earlier in the night. Um, and we see, like I said, Matt and Karen, um, they show up or they, they, they drive up to this house, and uh, Matt is just sitting in the car, just contemplating uh, whether... It seems like he doesn't really want to get out of the car. Um, he seems kind of bothered by the fact that he's even there. But they get out, and um, Matt goes up to the door to, to be led into the house, and I think Karen goes out and smoke a cigarette or something. Yeah. Um, and... Does he? Okay, so the, the house, um, or the, the and so the, he just goes into the house. Does he just walk in? Okay, yeah. I, I watched this like a week ago on a plane. Um, so I'm because I, I the thought, door was like <clears throat> there was like something up against the door that he had to like push out of the way, and he's right. like, "Crap, damn it!" <laughs> 
He didn't uh, say crap, damn it, but it sounded at first like he said crap, damn it. Pretty <laughs> sure he said god damn it, but probably. Um, I just I thought he said crap, damn it, and it made me laugh. Yeah, some, so something is uh, going on. Basically, they've gone to see Matt's brother, uh, Steve, for Christmas. Um, the but, windows are all papered over. Yeah, and, you know, the house is dark from the outside. There's there's no real light going on. Um, and but so Matt goes in the house, and he's, he's looking for Steve, who um, he eventually finds. Um, but Steve is just kind of obviously surprised to see Matt. Um, and uh, almost immediately tells him that he, he can't stay. Yeah. He has to leave. And Matt's just like, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, he's like, we drove, you know, X amount of hours to get here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's some there's, there's some tension between Matt and Steve, and you don't really know exactly what is going on right away. Um, but uh, through the course of the, of the movie, you've come to find out that um, Steve is a widower. Um, his wife and daughter died semi-recently. Um, and so Matt and Karen are basically there to kind of pull him out of his little hermit hole so he can like spend Christmas with, with family. Um, um, so Matt is, he's, he's sensing that something is going on with Steve because he's, he's very out of sorts. Um, probably, I mean, more so than usual, I would assume. I mean, at first, Matt is just like, he's, you know, he's beyond help. Like, there's there's no point in us being here. Like, this whole thing is just stupid because he's, he, he's like, basically ready to just give up on him. Yeah. He says, you know, you, Steve tells him, you, you guys can't stay here. And it's like, I'm, he basically tells him, I didn't want to come here. I'm, I'm doing this for her. Yeah. And, you know, Karen says, yeah, this was my idea. Don't, don't blame him for us showing up unannounced. Um, and he basically, Matt basically says, we're not leaving, so deal with it. So they sit down to a very tense dinner, um, and Matt just kind of digs into Steve and just like, what the hell is wrong with you? What is going on? And so Steve takes Matt down into the basement and we don't know at the time what Matt sees, but he comes back up and I think he like says, you know, we need to get him help or we need to call the police or something. Yeah. He, he says something like, you know, he, he's, uh, he, he's crazy and it's to the point where I think he might be dangerous. Yeah. Um, that starts to unfold when we find out that Steve has a man in the basement locked in a room that is, padlocked with a crucifix on the door. Well, it's not, it's a cross, not a crucifix. Um, claiming that he has trapped the devil. Uh, ah, he said it. Um, so naturally this is, uh, quite off-putting to, to Matt and Karen. Um, but through a series of events, you know, they start to even question whether or not they can, they might believe what Stephen's saying. Um, you know, obviously, right off the bat, that seems insane. 
It's like, okay, Steve has lost his mind. He's got a man down there um, who, when they've gone down, he is basically pleading to be let go. It's like, I, I need to get out of here. I need to get home to my family. Um, he's like, don't, I won't, I won't call the cops. I won't do anything. Just please let me go. Um, pleading for his life. And Steve's just like basically saying, you know, he's not what you think he is, you know, because the devil in, in most, um, in most religions, uh, is characterized as the, the great deceiver. Um, you know, he'll say, and he'll say and, or do anything to get you to believe a lie. Um, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing you people he didn't exist. Right. Um, and uh, it's kind of, you know, where you have to maybe put your mind in this because it's like, okay, well, you know, this is where it kind of borders being a horror movie and just a drama. Yeah. Because you don't really know is like, does he have the devil or did he just go insane and capture a man and put him in his basement? Yeah. He explains like he's got this book. And he explains to Matt that the, the devil is not so much like, you know, red skin and pointy tail with a pitchfork, but it's like an, an idea. Mm-hmm. And it's just this uh, embodiment of evil. And to explain it to him, he takes him up to his attic where he's got like newspaper clippings and missing posters and all this, you know, red string tying them all together. And he's like, Ty- Pepe Sylvia. Pepe Sylvia. <laughs> <laughs> um, Karen, Karen. <laughs> there is no Karen. <laughs> Not only do all those people exist, but they've been waiting for their mail. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude, we're going to get fired. <laughs> That's one thing that's not going to happen, because we've already been fired. <laughs> oh my God, I think I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he tells him, you know, he tells him this missing poster, and he's like, this girl uh, went missing like a year ago or something, and a week ago she came back. He's like, and it says, it's all because I've got the devil in my basement. Mm-hmm. So all these people, all these missing people are going to start coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, he basically says that the, uh, actually, was it? Oh, fuck. Oh, God, I wish I would have. See, I watched this like a week ago and I watched it, watched it on the plane because I knew I wasn't going to have time to watch it any other point. Um, and at the time I thought we were recording the next day. And I really wish I, I, I probably I should have watched it again to kind of refresh my memory. But well, I, I watched it yesterday, so just bounce things off me. Okay, but I, I remember somebody saying that like uh, um, he, he, you know, the devil can basically be anyone. You know, it, then the, the devil can be different for each person. Yeah, that's, um, Steve s- says that to Karen. Okay, yeah, so he doesn't really appear as any one person or any one. Um, idea he's just basically like you said it, he's he's not a person per se or or even a singular entity he is uh he is the concept of absolute evil and so he's saying you know basically this guy in in the basement he's he's trying to convince you that he's not who who he, that he's not the devil he's just some innocent man that wants to be let go but he's doing that to convince you to let him go. Um, and <clears throat> so basically the, the the bulk of the movie is Steve trying to convince Matt and Karen that he really is holding the devil 
in the basement. And it's convincing enough to the point where Matt and Karen don't even attempt to let him go. And every time they consider it, they have like this, it seems like an almost overwhelming sensation that they shouldn't. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like Steve keeps saying too that, that some, someone or something is coming, is, is like coming to let him out or is coming to save him. And he keeps getting these phone calls that he never answers. Mm-hmm. And he keeps seeing images of his dead wife in the, in the static on the, on the TV screen. Um, and I think he's having like dreams. Yeah. He has a couple of visions. Um, and so that's like, you know, in any other context, you'd say, okay, well, yeah, that's definitely some kind of like satanic or, you know, um, supernatural, supernatural occurrence. But in this movie, you're really left to consider it's like, okay, but is he just crazy? No one else seems to see these things. So it's like, is it just in his mind? But then what pulls you back into thinking that maybe something is truly wrong here, um, is the fact that Matt and Karen seem to be affected by it too. And it's like, I don't know, like you don't really know if they're just being drawn into Steve's hysteria or if there's something like some supernatural sensation that's preventing them from letting this guy go. Yeah. Um, or, you know, preventing them from uh, being convinced that he actually is who he says he is. Um because Steve is even convinced that them showing up is part of some kind of like grander plan or something. Right. Yeah, he does, He says that he's had him down there for uh, quite a while at this point, right? Yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly how long, but he says that, you know, at, the, at first he considered it a game, which is the only reason he allowed himself to be down there in the first place. But now he's tired of being there and he, he doesn't want to be in there anymore. And that's kind of where you said the where he says, you know, something is coming to release him. And yeah, you're right. He, he thinks that it's, there's the potential that this thing that may have, that is coming to release him could be Matt and Karen mm-hmm. um, using, you know, his abilities to deceive to convince them to release him. So it's really kind of a, a head fuck. A little bit, yeah. Like, I mean, even as the viewer, you really can't get any solid confirmation. I mean, yeah, I mean, through, through the entire time you're watching the movie, you don't really get any confirmation of what or of which way is up. I mean, you don't really know what to believe. Um, and so you're, you're basically playing the same guessing game that Matt and Karen are. Right. Um, and, uh. Yeah. Not really sure what else to say without giving away spoilers. Yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty slow burn movie, so it's it's hard to really give a lot of major plot points because there really aren't any. Yeah. I mean it's a very it's a it's an isolated uh location, uh small cast, and like I said, yeah, a very slow slow burning story. So <clears throat> In that respect, it's good because it keeps you, provided you're paying attention, it keeps you pretty laser focused on what's going on. Yeah. Um, but, 
I mean, if if you lose attention in it at any point, you might get a little. Well, no, you probably you could probably pick it up pretty easily because there aren't a lot of fine detail stuff. But when stuff does happen, it tends to happen pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, like when Steve is kind of revealing his Pepe Silvia wall. <laughs> um, but anyway. I will say for a, a slow burn movie, it, it does do a good job of like giving you just enough mm-hmm. to kind of keep you watching. Because a lot of movies, it's like, oh, it's a slow burn, which means nothing happens until the end. Right. But this one, I think, does a good job of just kind of stringing you along little bit by little bit. Yeah. And with, like you said, when something does happen, it's it's a fairly major plot point. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's major, but it happens so quickly that if you if you miss it, you might get lost. Yeah. It's like... I think it's easy when something is just kind of trolling along and then then there, there's this major plot development that if you miss that one piece, you think the movie's just kept, you know, trotting along as it was and now you're missing that part that is significant towards the plot. Right. And I think that would be really easy to do in this Um and I could see that potentially happening if if I hadn't been watching this on a plane where it's like I had nothing else to pay attention to. Um, I I could see myself potentially getting distracted and maybe missing something. Um, but uh, no, I, but it's it does a really good job of not really giving you a lot to go on um, as far as what is really going on. You know, a lot of movies you tend to be able to figure out at some point. Um, you know, who done it. Right. Or, you know, who the bad guy is or, you know, is is this person really who they're saying they are or, you know, anything like that. This one, you know, there are points where you, you might think that you know. It's like, oh, well, yeah, Steve's definitely lost his mind. But then there are things that happen um, that it's just like, okay, well, that's definitely the devil. But they're like, well, wait, hold on. Maybe it's like, is Steve's hysteria spreading to Matt and Karen? Uh, you know, what's what's truly going on here? Yeah, it like it doesn't really like lead you this way and that per se, where it's like, you know, it's going to lead you this way and then all of a sudden it's going to turn and lead you the other way. Yeah. It more just kind of lays out all the options. There are points where it like, you know, it makes you think one way and then it'll turn around and make you think the other way. Mm-hmm. But it's not like a super deliberate, you know, hard right, hard left turn. Yeah. It's more so that it just kind of gives you both options and lets you try and figure out what you think. Yeah, and that, I guess, okay, yeah, that's a good point because it does let you kind of uh, um, come up with your own notions about what's going on. And it doesn't really steer you one way to the, one direction or the other. It kind of lets you believe both things. Yeah. Um, it could be like almost almost like a, like a choose-your-own-story thing in that way. A little bit. Yeah. Also, the the person or the entity or whatever it is in in the basement, the voice is very off putting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a it's like a very deep voice. I mean, it's a man's voice. It's very deep. Almost sounds like he's modulated, which he very could have, very well could have been. Um, and then there are points when it gets very clearly modulated. Yeah. Um, it's got a little bit of an echo to it because yeah. he's, you know, talking through a door. And it's like, again, that would be like a dead giveaway in most movies. But this is just like, okay, but I mean, are they just 
imagining that? Is it just there for effect? Yeah. Or is it just, you know, the talking through a door kind of thing? Or? Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, yeah. But yeah, there are times when Steve's just like, you know, fine, open the door. And they like, you know, they'll take off the cross and then for whatever reason, they just won't, they can't open the door mm-hmm. and they change their mind. Yeah, because he's, for whatever reason, what he is telling them is just convincing enough to where they're, they they can't be sure. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, and like I said, even as the viewer, you, you're not sure because you're basically in the same boat as the people on screen. You don't know what's going on. You can't be sure exactly what you're seeing because it could be through the eyes of a crazy person. Mm-hmm. So, um, Which it's a little similar to American Psycho in that respect. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Um, uh, God, do I have anything else to say? Do you have anything else to add? Um, not anything that wouldn't be a spoiler. Okay. Um, yeah, not so bad. I was, it was good. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I don't typically like these slow burn movies, but right. um, yeah, I had some. Uh, I I really liked that it it um, didn't give away. It didn't didn't show show its hand. Yeah, like it, it kept you really guessing up to the end, um, and you know whether or not you thought you had it figured out, um, one way or the other. Um, there was the full potential that you could be totally wrong, mm-hmm. because right up to the very last five to ten minutes of the movie, I had no idea. It's like. I, I had my my notions. It's like, but I was fully aware that I could be totally wrong because I was not totally sure. Yep. Um, so I liked that, um, and uh, the cast was really good. Um, and, you know, I'm an AJ Bowen mark, so yeah. And I, I love. I think I've said this before, but I love the way that AJ Bowen acts because he is so convincing as just a guy. He he doesn't he doesn't look like he's putting on a performance. He looks like he's just a real person that you're watching in a situation. And does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, where I really got that and where I first realized it was in, um, oh, what was that movie with Babs where they were in the woods? Oh. Uh, mm. Babs and um, uh, Brie, uh, forgot her name, Brie something. <laughs> Yeah, you know I, know, I, I know. I do know the movie you're talking about, but I can't think of what it is. The way he was re- reacting. It's Babs in the Woods. You know. Babs. <laughs> Alternate title. <laughs> That's how it was released in Germany. Um, <clears throat> it uh, in, in that you know, who with his teenage daughter, the way he acted like a dad. That was probably some of the most convincing acting I've ever seen because. I've seen dads around teenage daughters and, you know, how that dynamic works. And it was like dead on. Anyway, uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Steve, the guy that played Steve, um, which one was he? Uh, Scott Poitras. Um, he did a really good job at, um, being, uh, I guess convincing, um, really selling you on the fact that he was absolute, goddamn, absolutely convinced that he had the devil in his in his basement. 
Or that he believed he did, at least. Yeah. Um, Dead but, Knight, by the way. Dead Knight. Um, but Brea, all, Brea Grant. Brea. What did I say? You said Bree something. Brea. I was off. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, it's good stuff. I liked it. Um, it was a little slow. Mm-hmm. Um, how long was this? 82 minutes. Okay, so it wasn't even an hour and a half. It felt like longer than that. Yeah. Which is not... Sometimes that can be a good thing, but usually it's not. And I think in this case it wasn't. I, I don't know. I wouldn't have cut anything out necessarily. It just felt longer than it was. Um, yeah, like you can you can say, you know, like, oh, not a lot happens. But at the same time, like so much of the movie is creating a a feeling and a sensation and a, um you need you need like these long scenes to create that that feeling yeah and that um you know that ambiance or that aura or whatever you want to call it yeah and it, it, i mean if you would have cut out any sequences where steve was demonstrating how he might be insane um it would have changed the tone of the of the whole movie because you wouldn't have really had a grasp on how crazy he actually could have been yeah, if he just like blurted it out first thing, you'd just been like, "Oh, he's well, this guy's clearly crazy." Right. But he had to try and, con- you know, he had to. He didn't want to tell them at first mm-hmm. because he thought he he even says at one point he's like, you know, I I tried to think that I was crazy. I tried to think what's wrong in my brain because I don't want to believe that this is real. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah. All that being said. Yeah, I'll give it an eight. Mm. Yeah. You don't have to agree with me. No. <laughs> I mean, I was initially thinking eight, and I was like, maybe it's a seven. But my my gut does say eight. Um it's it's not something you're gonna like watch every year. You're not gonna be like, you know, home alone, Christmas vacation, and I trap the devil. Right. <laughs> but um because because a big, you know, so much of it is the mystery. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean it's it's really good. I would definitely recommend it, especially if you have Hulu because it's fucking free, right? Um, but yeah, I can see myself going back to this in, in a couple of years. Sure. Yeah, and I mean it's not it's not strictly a Christmas movie. I mean the the Christmas element of it is pretty tenuous. Um, had I known that Christmas was such a undertone of this that I may have picked something else. I kind of thought it may, would, would have had more to do with it. Yeah, it takes place on Christmas, but it doesn't really have to. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this this is something that you could watch pretty much year-round and not feel like you're watching something out of season. So, anyway, uh, you know, uh, Josh Lobo, well done you. Yeah. And like you said, I don't. I've never heard of him, so I don't know what else he's done. But yeah. if this is a a first time, or then this it's really impressive, right? Movies. I trapped the devil. Well, there you go. And Dave, oh, he oh he was art department for Dave Made a Maze. I think I've so, heard of that. I've heard of it, and I've heard it's it's wild, but I have not seen it. <laughs> so. Moving on, our next film is a zombie Christmas musical called Anna and the Apocalypse. Twenty 
was the night before Christmas, and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Young Anna was nestled, all snug in her bed, not knowing tomorrow she'd meet the undead. How would she survive what this season would bring? Well, that's simple. She'd stab, she'd slash, and she'd sing. Justin Bieber's a zombie. All right, so this takes place in Scotland. Uh, Even though Anna is British. I think most of them are British. Um, Anna is a high school senior. She's getting ready to, well, her dad wants her to go on to university. And she's like, nope, I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to Australia. And he's and like, the fuck you are? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, but her best friend... Uh, James, is that right? John. John. Uh, you know, he's like, listen to the woman, John. <laughs> he's like, you do you, you, you know, you know best. I'll, I'll be here for you no matter what. And, uh, then he breaks into song about wanting to fuck. Well, no, <laughs> it wasn't that grotesque. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, clear right off the bat that John is that like stereotypical character who's, you know, the friend that's secretly in love with them. Yeah. This was, uh, that I'll never mind. I'll save it for later. Okay. Um, so I actually, I forgot this was a musical until like the first song. And like, as it was like building up, I was like, are they going to start singing? (laughs) They started singing. I was like, Oh, right. <laughs> it's a musical. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why it was musical. It, I, I don't know. I feel like it was detrimental. I just, I mean, maybe that's the part of me that doesn't like musicals talking, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I think I would have liked this better if it wasn't a musical. I mean, it would have been like 45 minutes shorter. True. <laughs> It was long songs. They were. Yeah, they, these were full songs. These were not just, you know how some musicals are just like, well, I'm going to the kitchen now to have myself a beer. <laughs> and they're just singing what they're doing instead of like actually singing songs. Right. This was not that. Mm-hmm. This the, These were full songs. Um, so our, our basic cast of characters here, we've got Anna, her dad, Tony, uh, her friend, John. That's yeah, me. Hey. That's my name. You're, you're the dad. I'm, I'm, I'm Anna's dad. <laughs> Um, is it wrong that I think Anna's cute? Yeah, that's your daughter, you sick gross. fuck. I'm gross. <laughs> I'm a gross person. 
uh, her friends Chris and oh god Steph, and then there's the uh, the kind of outcast girl whose name was shut up Tony. What was her name? I don't remember. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Chris and Lisa were there. They're a couple, and then Steph is the other girl. Right. There you go. Um, Steph is like, the, she's kind of like the badass. Yeah. She parks her school in the teacher's lot. School? <laughs> parks her car in the <laughs> in the school lot, in the teacher's lot. Yeah. And the, the soon-to-be headmaster, Mr. Savage, he's like, you know, park your car on school property, and it becomes school property. And he steals her car keys. I mean, I'd say you can't do that, but I don't know how things work in Scotland. And it's true. Maybe in Scotland you can just do that. <sighs> I mean... Because it's not going to get moved now. <laughs> it's funny because, uh, like, the outgoing headmaster uh, seems to be, like, beloved by the students. Yeah. Like, he seems like, like this really nice older guy. You know, you see, I think... Probably a couple different occasions when you know people are saying goodbye to him and giving you know giving him gifts, and this guy is like the polar opposite. He's just like a total power hungry prick. Yeah, um, I think he's at, at currently like like the assistant head ma- headmaster or something, something like that. Yeah, but he he knows that the other guy's on his way out, so he's basically just already assuming the role. Right, and yeah, he's just a total prick. Um. So yeah, they sing this song about how there's no such thing as a Hollywood ending. Which plays in well. Yeah. To pretty much the entire movie. Yeah. It doesn't really strike a chord at, at the time, but you know, every time something bad happens, <laughs> it's like, well, that's yeah, there's no such thing as a Hollywood ending. <laughs> yeah. Um and then they're they're having this Christmas pageant. And Lisa starts singing this song. It's all about like give it to me, Santa. Right. Now she wants to like have him open her box and yeah, stuff her stocking and all kinds of other innuendos. Yeah, and she's like wearing like a like a single strap dress and uh and like has these guys. There's these like Chippendale Santas behind yeah, yeah. her, like guys in Santa hats and tiny little shorts, and that's all just dancing around her. It's like this. This doesn't. It's not appropriate for school. Yeah, and Savage agrees because he's like, I'm going to fucking kill her. <laughs> um, yeah, so Anna works at the local bowling alley. Thunderballs. <laughs> That's what the ladies call me. Nobody calls you that. <laughs> they could. They could call me that. So I'm going to want to be called. <laughs> my balls clack together like thunder. Because I have huge balls. You got big meaty clackers. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> man, I'm coming off of a cold. So like my, this much talking is not great. <laughs> I keep like almost losing my voice. <clears throat> Proceed. Um, so there's a couple little like little hints of zombie little, stuff. Little thing. You know, a little thing. <laughs> There's like little neat little teasers sprinkled in. It's uh I don't know if it was just a coincidence or what, but this seemed very, very heavily influenced by Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, it did. 
Um, I know, like, the poster says Shaun of the Dead meets La La Land. That's fitting. I would say Shaun of the Dead meets High School Musical. Or, like, Glee. Yeah. But um, I think my favorite scene is when Anna and John are going to school the next day. Mm-hmm. And there's just this shit's just breaking down behind them. There's like buildings on fire and people are running for their lives. Mm-hmm. And they're just singing along. Yeah. I'm miles away. Yeah. It's like I've got my earbuds in and so I can't hear shit going yep. on around me. She can't hear people screaming for their lives <laughs> and things exploding and cars crashing into each other. And Fucking teenagers, man, I tell you. Fucking millennials, man. <laughs> But then they they meet up in the the graveyard for some reason. Let's well, so put a giant fucking graveyard in the middle of town. I don't know. <laughs> and they're confronted by this uh, zombie snowman. Right. It's not an actual snowman. It's a guy in a snowman suit. Yeah. Just so there's no confusion. Right. And he's totally zombified. And they kill this guy in a very creative way. Um. Yeah. It's kind of stupid, but creative. Yeah. And basically, John is like, they're, they're, they're zombies. And Anna's like, that's stupid. Like, there's no such thing as zombies. But she doesn't have a better idea. So, yeah, zombies. There's zombies. Yeah. Um, they go back to Thunderballs. They, <laughs> they meet up with Chris and Steph, who are there. Um, they have to fight off some more zombies there. Yep. Uh, and then they, they go to leave the next morning. They hiding under a plastic pool, which doesn't seem like a good idea at all. No, not at all. Like they're, they're gonna see you. But they meet up with this guy Chris, who is Anna's ex or fuck buddy or what is the deal with these two? I think maybe like ex fuck buddy. I'm not really sure. There's very real animosity between him and John, and uh, and Anna's dad also is not very keen on him. Yeah. They they at least had sex once. Like that's explicitly pointed out. Yeah. And yeah, I mean he's just he's uh kind of like the not he's not really a jock. He's just like you know, that popular guy who's an asshole and all of his friends are assholes and Yeah. Just he's he's just that guy. Yeah. He's the guy. But so he's got this little squad of three little toadies and so they, they join up because they actually know how to fight and kill the zombies. Right. They kill like a whole, um, I think it's a, a, a gaggle, a um, field hockey team or something. Oh, of zombies. Yeah, like it was like soccer or maybe volleyball or something. Something, yeah. Or no. Oh, you know. Do they kill a cheer squad? Or is that a cheer squad or do they kill a cheer squad as well? I don't. I remember one cheerleader. I could swear they were cheerleaders. Anyway, go ahead. Um, they have very interesting weapons. Like, Chris has a baseball bat, which is fine. But one guy has watermelons. <laughs> He's killing zombies with watermelons. I mean, any port in a storm, I guess. I guess. But so they, they gang up and they head to the school uh, because that's where Anna's dad and um, Lisa, they're all held up in the school to... Hold on, there's a cool guy outside. Can't you hear his, uh, his engine? To stay safe. 
because Savage won't let him leave. Right. Yeah, this guy, I mean, Savage, he's um, he, like, he's very power hungry, like we said earlier. Uh, and But he's he's like one of these people who just flexes whatever muscle he has, not for any logical reason, just because he wants he to. He has to be in charge. Yeah, he feels like he has to. He, he has to be the one making the decisions, even though he doesn't even really know why he's saying it himself. Um yeah, regardless of how irrational it may be. So yeah, he he like so he did you say he traps the families in there? Is that what you said? I said he wouldn't let them leave, yeah. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> um so yeah, so they're all going to the school to try and save them. At one point Anna gets this big giant candy cane, which is if you've seen the poster, you know the the candy cane. It's like her cricket bat. Yeah, and she like clubs the zombies with it. And the whole time I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> Because it's, it's got a pointy end, and she doesn't ever... Well, once, she stabs a zombie with the pointy end. I'm like, yeah, you should have been doing that the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... You know, to... The, the, the common thing with zombies is you have to destroy the brain. Um, and it's like, you can't... Think about if you hit somebody in the head with a bat it's like would that kill them probably not probably not would it you know ring their bell sure but it's not going to kill them maybe fracture their skull uh but you're not going to destroy their brain no so that's something in zombie movies that always bugs me people use these bludgeoning weapons and it's bullshit it's like you have to get something sharp so you can pierce their skull and destroy their brain yeah, if you're going to use something to try and bludgeon them, you're going to need to take more than one whack at them. Right. You're going to need to break the skull open and then destroy the brain. Yeah, or get something that is going to do it in one hit, like a fucking chain mail, or a uh, chain mail, um, uh, like a uh, ball and chain. No, that's not right. Fuck. A, like a mace. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's what a I meant. A flail. You got it. <laughs> you got it, man. <laughs> a flail. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. A little, little thing. Like it is, it is a ball and chain. Sure, that's accurate description. But the ball what it's and chain, it means and then a it's stick. Like a, it's like a prison thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it. We're, yeah. on, we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So then they finally get to the school and they have to fight Savage. It's like a, it's like Dead Rising. Where remember in Dead Rising how you like you fought all through all the zombies, but then there was a, always a boss that was like a maniac. Yeah. But it was just, it was just a normal person. It's a lot like that. Yeah, something, I mean, you know, Savage, he's an asshole, to be sure. Something I didn't really understand was, like, his motivation. Yeah, like, he was ready to just straight up kill all these people. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, he seemed like a total prick. Sure, you know, you know, people, like, a lot of authority figures are pricks. But he... Like, he was a prick to the point of insanity, which didn't make any sense to me. No, not at all. I mean, unless he was already insane and just, like, his his power trip was keeping that at bay or, or covering it up or whatever. But or just the fact that there's a zombie apocalypse just pushed him over the edge. Sure, yeah. But, yeah, for him to tell a, a room of mostly grown adults, it's like, no, you have to stay right here. And then, like, lock them into a room. Like, that's that's... Straight crazy. Yeah, that's a dick move, bro. 
But yeah, I mean, you know, without starting to get into spoilers, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, and you know, the story itself, or, you know, the way it plays out, with the with the exception of the of the musical numbers. <coughs> Shit, hold on. <coughs> like I said, very similar to Shaun of the Dead. Um, it's basically, you know, we're here. We have to get across this zombie-infested town to get to point B to rescue our loved ones. Yep. It's, it's yeah, really the same. And then we have to, you know, try and get somewhere safe. Yeah. The Winchester. And then wait for the whole thing to blow over. Right. <laughs> uh, At one point, Chris does pick up a, a uh, cricket bat. Yeah. But then he, like, puts it down. I was... Kind of hoping he would like pick it up and look at it and swing it a couple times, and just be like, "No, that'd never work." <laughs> <laughs> no, that's rubbish. Um, I mean, the, it's it's hard to tell if that was a a reference tip of the hat, uh, or if, I mean, it's Scotland, you know. Yeah, it very well could have just been. But he was also he was using a baseball bat. Yeah, an aluminum one at that. Yeah, so that was weird. better. It was better, yeah. <laughs> You get more uh, impact. Yeah. And it's not going to break on you. Sure. Um, that's another thing when people are using like wood bats or cricket bats or something. It's like, that's that's going to break. Yeah. I mean, you'll get some good licks in, but eventually it's, it's just going to snap. Yeah. Like I've seen it happen with people hitting baseballs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm not a fan of musicals, like I said. The songs weren't terribly distracting, though, so that was good. Not really. Because, uh, I mean, it wasn't like the, the whole... St- I guess like a, maybe like a couple occasions, kind of the story stopped so they could sing a song. Yeah. But m- it seemed like most of the time, the story like pr- progressed to the point where... I mean, there was stuff going on in the background... That was kind of moving things along instead of just coming to a halt so we can sing a song. Yeah, or the song actually advanced the story. Sure, yeah. Um, and it was, like I said, it wasn't just them, you know, singing what they were doing, and it wasn't, it wasn't ever in like a dramatic moment. Mm-hmm. There was no like a point where they're fighting zombies and they were like, "Let's kill a zombie, right. even if he's <laughs> our best friend." <laughs> um, I should write a musical. Fuck. Yeah, you just have to fight off those letters from Trey Parker. <laughs> There's a couple points where it reminded me of I don't I don't know why, but I just got thoughts of um, Doctor Horrible. Uh, okay, I mean I've only seen that a couple times, so I'm, I, I mean I know what you're talking about. I know, like I can't really put my finger on exactly why, but it was just moments when they would bust out in a song, and it would remind me of Doctor Horrible. Fair enough. <laughs> um, it probably is the best musical, by the way. Um, yeah, this was... Uh, it was very much like a long episode of Glee. Like I said, with zombies. <laughs> God damn. <clears throat> um, and... Uh, it's not like a lot of like musicals that you'd think of like it'd be like being like classic musicals, you know, like um like The King and I or you know something like that. Um this was very much 
this is very 21st century, very much geared towards yeah, millennials. Yeah, very contemporary. Um, yeah, and you know, it, it was very much like Glee or like High School Musical, um, to the point where it was kind of off-putting for me, because um, it's like I didn't really want to watch teenagers dance around and sing about you know unrequited love, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's very much a coming of age movie, you yeah. know, wrapped in a zombie movie. And yeah, you've got, you know, these kids who are figuring out their libidos and their emotions Mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to figure out what love is. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, that um, Anna was a little too perfect. She didn't seem like she was... um, What's the word? Like, okay, let me take like Shaun of the Dead, for example. Shaun, who is our primary character, kind of our hero, um, but he's not perfect. He fucks up. He's human. Like, he's not this idyllic hero figure. He's a normal guy who just happens to... He's a reluctant hero. Yeah. He kind of takes charge of the situation, but he fucks up along the way. Yeah. Like, more than once. Anna wasn't really like that. She did too many things right, and she was too kind of untouchable by the for the story. I could see that. Um, so I think I don't know. I think maybe that was just kind of something that was uh, not really recognized in the writing phase, um, and just you know made it to screen. It wasn't really distracting, or you know, it didn't really hinder the 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 movie all that much. It's just something kind of like, you know, when you see somebody who you want to believe is a, just a, you know, a normal everyday person, you know, they're going to fuck up along the way and they're not going to do everything right. You know, she had some emotional issues. I mean, she's a teenager. She has kind of a, a strained relationship with her dad. Um, you know, she's got a best friend who's in love with her and, you know, kind of a messy relationship with a ex-boyfriend or, or whoever he is. So there are things like that in her life, but it doesn't really affect her ability to um, kind of take charge of a situation. And to me, that made her a little less believable as a character. Yeah. So, but I mean, it, it wasn't distracting because that's not how the movie is built. Right. Um. Actually, you know what? I take that back. It was it wasn't distracting only because I didn't really notice it until now, or that it, that it was distracting. But you know, they have this song that they the one song they sing more than once in the entire movie is there's, there's no, no such, such thing, thing as, as a Hollywood ending, which really plays out because nobody's safe in this movie. Mm-hmm. Everybody is a target. I mean, like there are people who get it in this movie that you're really not expecting. Except for Anna. She seems like she, as a as herself, not the people around her, just as herself, like at no point did I really feel like she was a potential target. Which, you know, that's difficult to do when you've got a hero figure, like your, your main character, one whose name is in the title. Um, but... You know, there are points 
like I'll, I'll I'll just go back to Shaun of the Dead again. Like there are points in Shaun of the Dead where Shaun is in real danger. It's like you never really think that okay, well he's gonna die here, but it's like he's he's in this confrontation where it's just like oh god, how's how's he gonna get out of this one? You know? Yeah. Um, and Anna, not really because she just like always comes up with this miraculous out with her or like on her own, but she's got people around her that always magically jump in at the last second to save her, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, it wasn't distracting at the time, but now that I'm thinking about it, it wasn't really... With the, for the situation and by the theme that they set out, well, there's no such thing as a Hollywood ending. That seems very Hollywood to me. Yeah. So. Yeah, like she was never really in real danger, like at any. Well, you know? I mean, she is surrounded by zombies, but well, I mean, I mean, other than the obvious, but like, there's no like moment where, she, like, she specifically is in very targeted danger. Yeah. I mean, there's one point where somebody kind of jumps in to to save her. But yeah. again, that's like I said, you know, somebody jumps in to save her at the last minute. And so it's like, okay, that's basically the closest she came to death. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, she's not an unlikable character at all. She's 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 quite likable. Um, uh, but, you know, even to be like a teenage girl, there's... There are just some things about teenage girls that are just completely unlikable. I mean, <laughs> not to say there's in things about teenage boys to be unlikable, but they're different things. Like you, you dislike certain things about teenage boys that you do about teenage girls. Yeah. Um, so yeah. As far as like the, the zombies, they looked pretty good. Um, you know, you had, they're, they looked very yellow. Yeah, which is a little bit different, but you know they had the sunken eyes and the, you know, kind of uh, sunken in cheeks and everything. So they they weren't anything groundbreaking, but you know I feel like yeah I feel like zombie movies are very similar to slasher movies in that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, I mean zombies are zombies. You don't have to make them look, you know, special. Right. You're not like I'm gonna watch this zombie movie because I bet it has a really engaging story. No, you're like I'm gonna watch a zombie movie because I want to see some zombies get fucked up. Yeah. <clears throat> and you don't get a lot of really good gore. No. Um, a lot of it is like the baseball bat. You know, you just kind of hits them and they fall off screen. Mm-hmm. It's like, I would like to see more of that. Like, let me see his head bust open or something. Right. Yeah. So it's a lot of those kind of, uh, like they're like secondary kills where it's like not a primary focus. It's just a way to get rid of them. Right. Um, a lot of this movie's kind of saving grace. Well, that's not fair to say because it's had, you know, it, it had some substance to it. But what helped it a lot was it was pretty funny. Yeah, there, there were a lot of jokes in it that were pretty funny. Um, there was one part where when they're walking underneath that um, uh, the pool pool, and I I couldn't really understand why it was happening. But they like stopped moving because they were surrounded by zombies. So they just they just crouched down underneath this pool and just sat completely still. And then some old lady 
came and sat down on the pool and then started pissing on it. <laughs> and like it was funny. I didn't understand I didn't understand why it was happening, but it was funny. Yeah. Um so but I mean just just weird goofy shit going on like that. Yeah. You know, there there were jokes here and there that were pretty funny and so yeah. There's that. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's it's definitely not, you know, it's not Shaun of the Dead. It's not this like upper echelon of zombie movie. It it is very reminiscent of Shaun of the Dead in the the way that the story progresses. Um I didn't think the music was very distracting. Yeah. I thought the songs were okay. I mean, you know, not my I not guess. my cup of tea, but for a musical I thought they were okay. Yeah, I mean it, it, like you know, I compared it to like uh, you know King and I or like Sound of Music or something like that, where it's all very you know orchestral and you know very classical. Yeah. Um, this is like you said, very contemporary. Um, a lot more stuff that you might hear on like the radio or an episode of Glee. Yeah. <clears throat> Which. Isn't necessarily distracting because you're surrounded by it every day, but it's like it's this. I don't want to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you do have your very, uh, your very touching emotional moments too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It didn't ever feel like scary. <laughs> yeah. Like it. And, and I mean, it's not like Zombieland where they're like making fun of the zombies and all the, you know, jokes come at the ex- expense of the zombies. But at the same time, just the zombies just seemed so just worthless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they were definitely secondary characters. Like, it's almost to the point where you may have been able, well, that's not. That's too far. I feel like the zombies weren't super uh, integral to the story. They were a MacGuffin. Sure. Yeah. It's like you could have had a lot of things going on. Um, I mean, like you, you could have made this into like a war movie or something. Yeah. War going on outside. And it would have been the same effect. More or less. <clears throat> Yeah, it's just the whole concept of zombies was really just a vehicle. Yeah. Um, which is fine. I mean, I'm not complaining about that. It's just like zombies weren't the most important part of the story. Yeah. So, And the, just the, the danger of a zombie apocalypse didn't feel as heavy as it should have. Right. <sighs> But I mean, I liked it. I thought I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah, it, it was fun. That yeah, it was fun. It was a fun movie. Um, it's not like high art. It's not the best zombie movie I've ever seen. Um, I don't know that I even put it in like top five, maybe even ten. I don't know, but it wasn't bad. And yeah, most importantly, it was fun. Yeah. So, um, I'm gonna give it a seven. That's kind of what I'm thinking too. It's kind of bouncing between six and seven, but 
feel like six would have represented it as a movie of lesser quality. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you kind of got to know what you're getting into. If you're going in and expecting, you know, big time zombie violence and gore, then you're, you're probably going to be disappointed, but it's, it's, you know, it's not family friendly by any means, but Mm -hmm. it's still, it's more in that, you know, kind of, uh, more upbeat, jovial take on zombie movies. Right. Yeah, I'd say it was even more lighthearted than than John of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, there we are, Taylor. There we go. That's our Christmas episode, guys. And our final episode of 2019. We made it. We made it. Another year. I mean, not another year for us, but another calendar year. Right. Um, yeah. This has been quite the year. It has indeed. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of firsts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, th- I mean, the things that stand out show-wise, I mean, not just not personal life ne- necessarily, but show-wise, uh, things that stand out, I mean, we you know, we started at the Green Grave Plot Film Festival. Um, and at Crypticon, we did our first celebrity panel. And that was fucking awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping we get to do it again next year. Um, but, um, you know, uh, this year was five years for us in back in October. Um, six. Was it six? Yep. Okay. 2013. All right. Well, and also at the beginning, you know, closer to the beginning of the year, I mean, it's it's been almost an entire year since then, but we hit 100 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a big milestone for us. I mean, a lot of other shows that are kind of our contemporaries and, you know, maybe even started or roughly around the same time, they hit that milestone a long time ago, but they're doing episodes more frequently than we are. Yeah. And not to mention October almost don't, don't count towards our right. count and... Yeah, and I think even didn't we have like a couple like holiday specials that didn't count or something? I don't know about that. We did a uh, half one once. That was like the, like episode four and a half, right? Yeah, the Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but uh, you know we're like just so happy to have you guys along the way, um, or you know on the. What am I saying? Along for the ride. Along for the ride. <laughs> As I try to ramble. Um, but, yeah. I mean, you know, on the personal side, you know, things have been tough. Um, I mean, I can't really speak for Taylor, but I've had some things go on in my life that have been a little rough. And, uh, you know, this show has been a big help um, to kind of keep my... <laughs> keep my mind focused on something less upsetting. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I just, I'm very thankful for, for all you guys for following along, whether you're a, an old timer or a new listener. Uh, I'm very appreciative. Uh, very appreciative for having Taylor along the ride with me. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm hoping for another great year guys. Yep. Yeah. Ditto. Thanks, Taylor.
No, um, I mean, like Tony said, starting the Grey Plot Film Fest was was a big thing for us. It was something we didn't know if it was going to be successful. Um, and it was, and so we're doing it again. And that's very exciting to, you know, be using this platform as to move on to something else and keep growing our brand as, mm-hmm. as you know, whatever it is. And so, yeah, it's it's been... It's been an exciting year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we thanked them at the beginning of the episode, but we had, I want to thank again our Patreon patrons. Um, you guys really do help us out a lot. Um, and, you know, we're not just blowing smoke. You know, your your money is well spent um, on, uh, you know, keeping the show up and running. You know, just just, I think just paying for, our hosting fees would become a burden for us if we were paying out of pocket. Oh yeah, um, and we did for a while. Mm-hmm. Probably what, a few years. Probably yeah. Um, and it was just like, you know, I think Taylor took the burden on himself most of the time. Um, but you know, it's like neither of us professionally earn a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> um. And, you know, I, I share an income with my wife, but Taylor and his girlfriend kind of operate separately. And, um, but it's just like money is a hot commodity, <laughs> as it always has been. And so having our patrons to really support us, it's people that care enough about us and the show and like what we're putting out enough to s- support us financially, uh, it means the world. So thank you very much to all of our patrons. Um, you know, we have... Uh, a certain tier that gets your name mentioned on the uh, on the episode every every time, uh, but we do have some other people that uh, are kind of our unsung heroes that support us as well. So thank you to, uh, as well. Um, and uh, yeah, and everybody listening to this right now, thank you too. Um, I mean, you're you guys tuning in to listen to us talk about nothing for a couple hours every <laughs> other week. Uh, it's just like. We've said it before, but it, it this is shit that we would do without the microphones. Yeah. So for people to just listen to us have a conversation and be like, "Yeah, I'm I'm with them. Like I I want to be part of that." It's it's kind of a cool thing. It's you know like making new friends that you'll never meet. Right. Um. Yeah, I think that's kind of all I have to say. But um, yeah, just wrap that up with a one, one big thank you. Um, you know, happy holidays to everyone. Um, I think is Hanukkah over by now. Uh, you know, I'm not sure about when it is this year. Me neither. I don't keep up. It it's like it's like Easter. It floats around. It. Uh, no, it's going on right now. 22nd through the 30th. Okay. Well, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, was it joyous Kwanzaa, mm-hmm. and anything else. You know, happy Happy Yule, Happy Holidays, Happy Winter, Happy whatever it is you celebrate. Even if you don't celebrate anything, just happy fucking Wednesday. Happy life. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, thanks again for, for coming along on this crazy ride. And uh, happy new year, guys. Um, we'll be back next episode. Was this 148? Yep. Uh, with our new year. In one week. In one week. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get back on our regular schedule. Yeah, we do. This is killing me. <clears throat> we'll be back in one week 
with our New Year's special, wherein Taylor will be watching what? We'll be ringing in 2020 with Terror Train and End of Days. Oh, yeah. We don't get to watch enough Schwarzenegger on this show, you know? (laughs) All right, guys. So, um, yeah. We're too too busy watching Nicolas Cage movies. (laughs) No regrets. (laughs) Till next time, guys. Taylor, where can they find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com, as well as wherever your podcasts are found. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, as well as YouTube as graveplotpodcast, or on Twitter as grave underscore plot. Check out patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast if you want exclusive content in exchange for a very little amount of money. And don't forget about graveplotfilmfest.com. Tickets on sale now. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. Until we talk again next week, <laughs> I'm Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And this has been the Graveplot Podcast, where we're all a little merry inside. Ah, yeah.